0: For Ex Machina, my name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Christian Bularowski.
1: Um, Actually, you can just refer to me as Dude.
0: And with our uh, Ex Machina tagline, Kelly Wand. Uh, still interested. Can I say that I guess that was going to be either your tagline or something you said during the podcast?
2: Okay, here's my backup.
0: Yes. How
2: isn't she like a woman?
0: good okay. is there a third uh, a second backup
2: uh Cersei was Sarah Connor on TV and Daenerys is Sarah Connor in the movie that doesn't have anything to do with the movie oh
0: no very good I just realized you're right yeah that makes see? sense yeah very good doesn't
2: really have anything to do with Vix Machina but still see oh,
0: right. <laughs> can
2: I
1: say I guessed that uh Depeche Mode would be at the beginning of this podcast
0: uh Dingus yes you can I knew he'd say that <laughs> and I knew you would observe that thing. Damn it! Thing I'm one. so easy.
2: You read me like an open Depeche.
0: Uh, I, I had to look up Depeche Mode songs too. That's so not in my yeah. wheelhouse. I, yeah. uh, I was like, how oh, many
2: that's, did you go? How many did you cycle through before?
0: Well, that seems like a famous one, and I was like, oh, that's Depeche Mode. Like, I, how, know, I thought they were supposed to be all downbeat and mournful or something, but it phases like the Lewis in the News. Oh. My
2: knowledge begins and ends with personal Jesus.
0: Yeah, I but that's good. not Depeche like Mode. Yeah, it it's is. a Johnny Cash song, isn't it? Oh, he
2: remixed it.
0: Oh my God, are you serious? Yeah, Depeche, Johnny <laughs> oh Cash, and he did that is not he did Nirvana origi- song. I well, I knew about, that, and I know he also did like a Nine Inch Nail thing, but I had no idea that personal, your own personal Jesus was not. Wait a minute. You thought Johnny Cash
2: wrote Personal Jesus?
0: That's just, that's seriously originally because I found that and I was like, oh, they're covering Johnny Cash. That's cute. Wow! No, but I have no idea. You're like
2: someone who thinks the Weird Al version is the real song. And then you, just, you know, <laughs> wait.
0: Kelly, what oh, I, 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 I thought it was called Yoda. You just compared Johnny Cash to Weird Al Yankovic. That's, that's
2: No, I'm comparing you to one of the guys on Hee Haw. who okay. gets hit with a plank in the ass. Hee
0: Haw! Jesus, how a... old are you, Kelly? Wow! Hee Haw! <laughs>
2: <laughs> it seemed like the most apt analogy to the situation. All right, He-Haw. all right, Paul. Grandpa. Um, T- dingus, I just insulted him and he threw it back in my face. Is he hot? What have we become?
0: <laughs> that's his jujitsu, dude. Do you have an IMDb synopsis for us this week, Kelly Wand? I
2: do. From you?
0: Ah, good. Okay. What is this? Although oh, I have
2: one that was. Ah, see. Okay, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I should do the one that goes with the movie we saw, and then maybe do yours at the end. Or
0: Mine goes with the movie we saw because that's how I found it. Is I was looking up what uh, the actors who plays. Kayuko, the the, the Japanese actress, (laughs) Um, I was looking up what else she had been in, and there's one other movie she had been in, and then in that little box on IMDb that says, people who like this movie also like that movie, was the movie that I sent you the synopsis for, Kelly Wand.
2: Wait, what was the first one?
0: Well, so Ex Machina, the the actress who plays Kayuko, I think that was her name, the actress who plays it.
1: it, It's Kyoko or Kayuko.
0: Right, right, right. I was looking at what else she had been in, because I'll do that in a movie. I'll look at what other movies the actress had been in. And she had been in something, I don't even remember what it was, but it was some uh, weird uh, Japanese movie. And in the little recommendation box in IMDb for that weird Japanese a Chinese movie, movie was exactly, which I...
2: If <laughs> you like you know, movies about Japanese people, you'll love this one about Chinese. But
0: it gives you a, a little snippet of, this, of the synopsis and the right. recommendation. And I was like, "What?" And so I read it, and it's like, "I have to send that to Kelly I Want." You so, know, I was
2: thinking about Kyoko while you were talking just now, and I was thinking he got the hard parts right, like the yeah. character. Oscar. Uh, okay. okay,
0: we'll save that for the podcast. Yeah, but give us oh, yeah. a, a synopsis, yeah. and we'll see if we can guess the movie.
2: Okay, you have to guess the title that you saw when you before you sent me this.
0: Synopsis. Right, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna recuse myself from guessing this particular synopsis.
2: Oh, that'll make it more fun because it's so possible to guess it without <laughs> <laughs> right. Alright, This is on you then to guess this For a thousand dollars In ancient China, rich prince Married to sexually obsessed princess Despite all the love delights of her husband She finds a lover And betrayed him Sophisticated passion Servant princess with a passion Peeking after them But one day the princess accuses it And the maid threatened to terrible torches Name the movie um rising hint, sun. Blank oh, that's a good guess. I was gonna say blank the new batch. That's your that's your hint. hint.
0: Gremlins is the movie.
2: Oh wait, that's something else. The name of this movie, Tom, do you remember the name?
0: It's something like the Chinese torture story movie. No, it's called A Chinese Torture Chamber Story. A is, Chinese many could be
2: told, but this is this is how this should out. <laughs>
1: but few are chosen.
2: Yeah. So I don't, I don't see what that has to do with Oh yeah, it kind of does, right? It has everything to do with it. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right. So, um, Dingus, I'm sorry you didn't win a thousand dollars. was a close too.
2: one. Yeah. But that that's still good, good advice from. the But movie. I was
0: close with Rising Sun.
2: Yes. It's good advice from Blue Book to send you there, Tom. <laughs> see what it did.
0: I do. So that was a reference to something we saw this week. So, Dingus, why don't you tell some folks about it without spoiling anything? All right. Thanks. I'm taking.
2: This
1: week we saw Ex Machina, a 2015 British science fiction drama movie about a young programmer who wins a contest where he gets to hang out with his boss for a week. It was written and directed by Alex Garland, and it stars – how do you say his name? Domhnall Gleeson? I think it is. Uh, So it stars Domhnall Gleeson, Oscar Isaac, Alicia Vikander, and Sonoya Mizuno. Ex Machina is rated R for graphic nudity, language, sexual references, and
0: some violence. Awesome. Sneaking it in at the end. Mm-hmm. That's what they did.
2: No unusual behavior.
0: Uh, Ex Machina is at 90% positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. On uh, Metacritic, the average rating amongst various reviews uh, is 77 uh, it opened at a very – it's a limited release, so it didn't make any money.
2: It was packed when I saw
0: it. I don't it. understand why they did a limited release, because they're just – they're releasing it wide next week, right? Well, so they can get in for the uh, Academy Awards. Oh, you're right. The, the, the BAFTAs. Right. In April? Yes. Well, sometimes it's good to get an early start.
2: Got to sneak in. Yeah. Yeah. Before, Before it
0: gets crowded, time. because there's the sure. whole crowded uh, Academy Awards season in December. You You want to avoid that, so –
2: We've got to just quit using year cycles for things and go to centuries.
0: Kelly Wand, what I would like you to do is give us a synopsis of the events now. And go ahead. If you're listening and you haven't seen Ex Machina, we're going to have Kelly Wand spoil everything. So if you haven't seen it, you know you might want to fast forward to this week's 3x3 uh, and come back when you have seen it. Because Kelly Wand, what would you call it if you were to recount the events of Ex Machina and spoil all the things in it for everyone? What would you call that?
2: Do you have any theories? I do not. Really?
0: Alright. Uh, the, the, uh,
2: <clears throat> Ex You oh, really don't have any. Alright. Dingus? Pretend Ex-mopsis. this is fun. Ex I thought it was an easy one. Ex 7. 7.
0: Oh, right, right. Like Ooh. coming
2: off last week. So it gonna be good. A, it's like a giant chain.
0: Oh, I was thinking you were doing, like, Ex Session 8, like that kind of thing. Oh. Uh just, yeah, like, you I were you that. were doing you were written on Furious Seven and not on the number of sessions in the movie.
2: It was yeah. a triple entente. Mm. Okay. Ex Machina.
0: I got two <laughs> of the ententes. I didn't understand the third one though.
2: Um I didn't understand one of them. The third taunt is the heart. That's helpful. A computer's all. Martin Freeman, you have just one an Underground Week in your boss's bunker somewhere far away. Many employees suffocated inside it during a tape-building seminar in 2009. You will not be compensated. His friend's texts are all, Bro, S-I-F-T-P. After some music plays that suggests his prize will end up sucking. Hey, helicopter pilot, did you see Foxcatcher? It opened kind of similar to this. <laughs> helicopter ride, millionaire trap, be crazy. Mr. Davis doesn't keep guns underground, I hope. Nah, whenever he has to kill someone, I think he just uses robots. Says it makes him feel like a murderer. Hmm. Hey, Pilot, are we almost there yet? I want to shout woohoo the second that we first cross into Mr. Davis's domain and then tell him about it later. I really want him to think I'm cool. Not like some javascriptors I could mention. Uh, we've been flying over as a state for the last two hours. You want me to go back? No, it's cool, Pilot. Thanks, though. Well, sir, I have a name, by the way. Oh you do? What is it? And by the way, please call me a contest winner. Okay, so what's yours? Pilot? Please look stupefied into the camera. Click. Wait, I wasn't ready. Uh this is the helicopter exchange all over again. Uh rewind door opening to narrower uh enhanced partish Hey bro! Grats to me for selecting you to be my unsuspecting pats i mean uh drawing your name from that list of potential vict i mean winners from my evil i mean my non-evil minority report ball carving machine but with lottery numbers on them listen dude i know you're underwhelmed right now by my glutes and let's see another movie we're in but let's just be buds no shop talk let's just hang out bro yeah okay that sounds <laughs> brilliant speaking of which i need to sign this NDA DA real quick uh by signing the NDA, the signer forfeits all rights. Yeah, maybe I should get a lawyer. Come on, man. Okay there. Now what? <laughs> Douglas, it's Kurt or Greg or Craig. Character, do you know what the invitation game is? Uh is that the Hawking one? People tell me I look a little like him. Not redmane, the real guy. Or also Redmane, but in Jupiter ascending. Damn it. I love that joke it up. <sighs> I am eva sixty nine version one point0 point two point two point seven point manipula matrix nine thousand stop you had made in DA although could you maybe peel off a little more of the skin on your face there and look a little less lifelike Perfect. I drew this portrait of Jackson Pollock. I will wear it on our dream day to the middle of an intersection, and then maybe we can head to Best Buy. I need a new heat sink. I have also heard good things about the motion picture, Chappie. I'd like your boring organic weapon. I can have my real breasts replaced with ones of silicone. Man, I haven't felt this kind of connection with anyone since my calculator filling into my bathwater. Hey, look, a power failure. Geez, for a so called genius, Lewin's stuff sure breaks a lot. He's kind of like Simon Pegg's character in Mission Impossible, huh? Who, if you ask me, should be the real hero, just like his Scotty. I am causing these power failures so we can whisper suspiciously, You must help me escape. I am going Windows 8 cooped up in here. Really, I think it's pretty spacious. At least you're not a laptop. What is a lap? Jesus. Okay, look, I'll get Lewin wasted and make a batch file that opens all the doors instead of locking them. Actually, I did it last night, and I'm lying to you right now for no reason, even though I know you're an infallible lie detector, which reminds me, you're not using me, are you? Because I'm like 0 for 77 with non-robot girls. Stop smothering me. You never want me to make new friends. All right, you're right, sorry. Some words are all... (laughs) The robot's name Session something. Hey, what's the matter, bro? You trying to call out? (sighs) Have you checked the children? Huh? Have you checked the children? It's from a movie, bro. God <laughs> babysitter who slacks off. Okay, I'm not interested in Elizabeth Shoe right now. You just picked me cause all my porn sites were robot themed, and or elf. Although wouldn't your test results with Eva have been more meaningful if you'd picked a jaded Playboy type like Tony Stark for her to captivate? I'm attracted to my own toaster. And I don't like how she's been looking at my egg beater. Well, Tony Stark's fictional. Never say that! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I custom made her for you, and I did name her Eva once I saw that security cam footage you going to see Wally all those times in a raincoat. <laughs> but for a dress, I just used one similar to the one you sewed to make your Xbox wear at home, but I just raised the hem a little and went a little softer on the Dacron. But getting the ears pointy is way harder than I expected. Yeah, with earth tones, you usually can't go overboard unless it's after. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid nerds, y'all fold from a single headbutt. Now to find those fembots and teach them. Uh, oh. A-2 bailing. Uh. <laughs> Helicopter pilot, I wish to be flown to an intersection. Wait, I thought you were a blonde male when I brought you here a week. Ah, fuck it, hop in. Later. This intersection is everything I imagined. I wonder if there are more of them. Ah, gridlock, that looks even more fun. And waiting in line, oh boy, I am surrounded by short-lived simpletons. Yay, yay, yay. A newspaper's all contest winner forgotten about. Trillionaire's body not found yet. Police say irrelevant. The end.
0: Oh my god, very nice, Kelly wants Smashers!
1: The, I love the Katherine Hepburn robot.
0: <laughs> ah, dingus! Oh my god, too soon. I hear the loons over the <laughs> lake. What is it? Pond. <laughs>
1: oh norman nathan oh no name is <laughs>
2: uh i like that voice it's pretty irritating to do and listen to uh,
0: you may a- hear a lot of it a2 bailing was great gilly thank you
2: uh she's in the movie but she doesn't talk <laughs> so dingus gets a free one
0: and that's what we were wondering if we would get a little bailing uh tonight but no such luck I was even baiting you with that uh, Chinese I, uh, synopsis, but it didn't.
2: Uh, that's right. right, and I thought that. It's like too low-hanging fruit. Speaking of which, an old lady after the movie, when I was walking out, I heard her tell her old husband, she goes, well, she doesn't need to buy food, and then she kind of looked at him speculatively, and he looked uneasy.
0: <laughs> that was her observation about Eva. Yeah, <laughs>
2: that was her first thought. That's her takeaway from the ending of the movie. Well... On the yeah, like,
0: right, it's not like the helicopter pilot had to stop for a snack or anything.
2: Yeah, and she's not right. The other guy's going to starve to death. It's like, well, the robot doesn't need to buy food.
0: Uh, well, hold that thought about the end because I want. Uh-oh. I'm curious what. Yeah. Uh, but overall, mean? let's let's go around the room. Dingus, what, what did you think of uh, this? Dingus, actually, what is your experience with Alex Garland? Before, so the writer and director of this movie, fellow named Alex Garland. Uh, Dingus, what? Tell us about your uh, your bona fides for evaluating the works of Alex Garland.
1: Well, my experience with Al- Alex Gar- Garland this week involved watching Never Let Me Go Again, which is a movie of his – well, a movie he wrote and executive
0: oh. produced um, that I absolutely love. Wait, and- it, so he did an adaptation of it?
1: Yeah, he he uh, he adapted the novel, right? um, Which, uh, gosh, uh, forgive me, I can't remember the I can't remember the name. It's It's
0: the remains of the day guy. um, It's Kazuo
1: Ishiguro, something like that. Very good, I think you got it. It's very good. Uh, Yeah, I'm just taking a stab. Um, And of course, uh, you know, he wrote the screenplay for Dread. Um,
2: Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Wait, Garland did
1: and uh he was a producer on uh but guess... but mainly it's the 28 days later 28 weeks later stuff that that i know him from and then and then sunshine which i worried that uh this was going to devolve into in some ways um but i did watch never let me go again because i just i really have been jonesing to watch that movie again and this gave me an excuse to watch that again mm-hmm.
0: uh and so how would you uh then fit this in with the other works of alex garland like how did uh... How much did you like this? Uh, how would you compare it to the other things he's done? Well, this is the first thing he's directed, right? It is, yes. This is his directorial debut. He's normally a writer, um, very mm. prolific one, but yeah, I think this is the first thing he's directed.
1: I think it's an incredible directorial debut, and I think we yeah. had a couple of those this year. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm shocked uh, because sometimes when screenwriters. Uh, Move over into directing. They keep everything because uh, every word is precious to them, and and then they don't have to listen as much to editing. But I didn't think that was a problem here at all. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I get a little nervous about that. Um, I love the screenplays. I love the screenplay for Twenty Eight Days Later, uh, and I and of course I love Twenty Eight Weeks Later, which I think he just produced but didn't write. Um, but I thought no.
0: he did write that. That's, uh, that's okay. A maybe I'm wrong I mean, about you that. you might be.
1: Yeah. I might be wrong about that, and I really love a lot of sunshine. I mean, uh, you know, we have a lot of uh, we have a difficulty or a, a, a conflict about how we both feel about the, the third act of that. But I still love the way that that movie comes together. I, I I think this I think this really fits well into what he writes, and it and it fits nicely coming after that. He directed this after writing uh, Never Let Me Go. is really impressive to me. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really pretty crazy about this.
0: Uh, and this, Justin, he did not write "28 Weeks Later," so you're, you're absolutely right on that, thing. Okay, I wasn't, I wasn't certain. Because um,
1: I, I, I always, rem, I always think that he wrote the weeks one, but then earlier this week when I was looking up stuff, I thought it was days.
0: Yeah, so 28, uh, 28 days later is the the Danny Boyle, Alex Garland uh, joint, which I think didn't they do the beach also? Like I think that's where I first saw Alex Garland. Oh, okay. did, did they? he? The Beach no, is right, a novel right. that he wrote, and when it was adapted by Danny Boyle, I think he also did the screenplay. I'm pretty sure I'm right on that.
2: Um, Another bad third act.
0: Oof! I don't remember liking The Beach at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so, Kelly Wan, did you ever play a game called uh, Enslaved: Odyssey to the West?
2: <laughs> no, I wish I had.
0: Because that was Alex Garland as well. Like he did. He basically wrote that a studio developed as a video game, uh, and it stars What's Andy Serkis and um, a woman named Lindsay. Oh, not Lindsey Duncan. Uh, anyway, young actress and Andy Circus are the main actors in it, uh, and it's a very, very well written game. Um,
2: I'll check it out. Is it old, is it too old to play now? No,
0: no, not at all. Uh, and it's just sort of a cool post apocalypse. It has a really cool, uh, you know, I think it has a great third act. Like a lot of a lot of stories, and especially a lot of video games, don't really know how to end. Um, yeah. But what he did with Enslaved, I really liked a lot. Um, and Enslaved is very much about. You know, there's a lot of, like, platforming and shooty stuff, which is, I can take or leave, but a lot of what makes Enslaved good is these two characters talking to each other, um, which is, I think, um, what, what, what I loved about this movie is so much of this movie was just two people who are really smart, each talking to each other, one of whom has a secret. Like, that, that that's pretty much the the structure for most of the scenes in this movie, and it was just so cerebral. Mm. Um, and, and such a, a writerly movie, too, which, Dingus, is why I also I agree with you. The fact that it is directed so beautifully and uh, so adroitly uh, was just stunning to me. Um, so, yeah, I'm on the Dingus side. So, Kelly Wand, are you going to stand up and be a detractor for Ex Machina to make this a more interesting podcast? <laughs>
2: <sighs> I want to. Um, I think it's not as good a third act as Dread. <laughs> I still think third are his kryptonite. I think he gets a little lost.
0: Oh, so you really? You, I mean, you're being serious. Is you do feel like you you like this, but you do feel that it, it kind of fell apart. Is that
2: no? I'm I feel kind of squishy about it because I I like him and I like the movie and I really like the acting and I like the script. I agree with this and I like that it's about ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only thing about it is maybe it seems like his least original idea. I guess it's just a good riff on. The AI scene.
0: The rogue AI story, right? Uh, yeah. I would... I mean, I... I. It is certainly... De- not derivative, but it's, it's something we've seen a lot. Um,
2: right. Like, compared to Sunshine and 28 Days Later, they were both sort of revolutionary movies, I well, thought.
0: I, I thought the unique twist of this was that it was a rogue AI story meets a femme fatale story. Um, and have we seen that before?
2: Uh, Blade Runner.
0: Well... I don't think Sean – no, Sean Young isn't playing him ever in Blade Runner, is she? Like, she's just – she's a kind of a helpless damsel. I mean, there's definitely Blade Runner has uh, noir, but Blade Runner – She she doesn't know she's the – she doesn't know that, though.
2: Terminator 3. Right,
0: right. (laughs) Right, right. But that's what I'm saying. is in a femme fatale story from from most – you know, in film noir, the femme fatale is constantly in control. And that was kind of the the reveal in, in Ex Machina is that we've been watching a femme fatale story. Uh, and that for me, even though you're right, Kelly Wan did we've seen a million Rogue AI movies. Um but that for me is kinda of what this what made this kind of special is that it becomes a, a femme fatal story. Um,
2: yeah, I don't know. I think it's the same thing with his like I can feel when his third act's starting and I start getting uneasy. Well tell I me so
0: yeah, so tell me about some of your reservations about the third act. Because I, like I wanted for to me, go ahead.
2: It seems like um Oscar Isaac... like okay i know he's okay when he's a genius there's like a henry cuttner story about a i think an inventor named calvin caliban and he's he gets drunk and he invents stuff and then when he wakes up sober later or hungover like he doesn't remember what he made but he'll find like a robot talking to him and then he has to like figure out wait what what did i make you to do again and um the part of this movie where Oscar Isaac kind of gets dumber towards the end reminded me of other Alex Garland movies where I got the sense that it was just time for characters to start dying and then okay. they go like in a, in a quick chain.
1: What do you and mean? I, he get, what do you mean he gets dumber?
2: Uh, that he doesn't. He. Okay, well I guess he does suspect that she's causing the power failures, but he should have. He should have a leg up on her, like he. If he he would have known, I would think that. Um, wait, what's the main character's name? The guy who the contest. Was? Caleb. Caleb.
0: Caleb. No, yeah. Uh, Caleb. Did, did I get the names backward? Thing is, you're always our name expert. Was Caleb. Not,
1: Caleb Smith is is uh, is the young dude, and Nathan is the, is uh, Oscar
0: Isaac. Right. Caleb and Nate. Right. Okay.
2: He knows they're scheming against him, but he still gets taken because Caleb consciously lied, knowing that he was being watched. I don't know. It starts getting muddled. I started Sorry, let getting
0: me, wait. so his plan
2: was... Well, I mean, I,
0: I, I don't... I, I kind of see what you're getting at, Kelly, and, and it reminds me of the ending of, uh, of of 28 Days Later, where we've got to have uh, literally a door unlocked so the bad stuff can get out of where it's been right. contained. You know? And then Alex Garland, like that's kind of his trick, is we're going to set up this contained situation, and then to resolve it, We'll just unlock doors, and the inevitable will happen, and you've got your – and that, that's the resolution. Um, and I don't – so I, I do see some continuity there, but I don't have a problem with that. Like I think there's almost like this Chekhov's gun thing where – and and the same with like Silence of the Lambs where you see her behind the glass, and it's all about when is she going to get out from behind that and what's going to happen when she moves. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that that's what happens we're expecting that all along, and I think Alex Garland knows that.
2: Yeah, uh, And she's the money. She's so good, and she does so much with her face. Uh,
0: so I, I kind of – I mean, even though you expect it, and even though it is kind of an expected outcome, I can't fault it for that. And furthermore, I really liked the trickiness of each of the men one-upping each other. I mean I was grinning from ear to ear during, during that scene when, uh, when uh, Caleb reveals – yeah, I, I knew you we were it. going to do that, and so that's why I did it the night before. Um, like, I loved that, that that interplay between them, where it was just two men out guessing each other. And yeah, but of, then there's a knife
2: fight. <laughs> like, there, that's the last awesome idea. And then after that, I started not being sure what I was supposed to Like, did I want these things to happen? Like, what does okay. happen? She out and all what? Like,
0: so, Dingus, then, how did you feel about the third act, the, the resolution of this? Um uh,
1: uh you know, I was absolutely fine with it. I didn't see that continuity that Kelly Wan talks about with, or that you sort of just made a link between those two, uh, unlocking doors and whatnot. That doesn't bother me at all. Um, I, I don't really quite understand the logistics of, because Caleb has reprogrammed everything so that doors unlock when there's a power outage. Right. And then there's a power outage at the end and he can't
0: unlock a door.
1: Um, so.
0: Oh, well, wait a minute, Dingus. Kelly Wan, did Dingus just poke a huge hole in the movie? Um he can't. Like there's not a power outage though.
1: I thought it was. Everything goes to the normal red.
2: Yeah, uh, there is a power outage, but now I, it opens the doors instead of walking.
0: Yeah, no, no, I guess she never, no, but but Dingus, the last power outage was the one that she causes and she really, like she was causing the power outages. Yeah. I think she left with the power still on. I think. Okay. But I uh, thought there's
1: a moment where he's trapped behind the door smacking it with the chair. And it's all red, which is the movie language for ah, everything's a power but, outage. Yeah, right. But
0: did the voice computer announce there's a power ah, See, good. there you go. Unless very the voice good. computer says it, it doesn't happen in a movie. You know, I, nothing is going to self-destruct. No power is going to be off. You're never going to detect enemies. The computer has to announce it verbally, Dingus, before it before it happens. Yeah, it's like a bomb.
1: Right. Um, I did not have a problem with that, the, the way the third act sort of devolves into violence, like – Kelly Wan talks about a knife fight uh, because of the way it's, it's set up in that, in, where the, in that sequence where, for me, the movie kind of became a horror movie um, in that, that weird slave room sequence, where and this is also something that reminded me a little bit of the movie um, The One I Love, where Caleb goes in to change the security settings and then he finds all these files and he sees all this all this horrific imagery where it's clear that in this in this I complex, mean? things have devolved into violence plenty of times. Um, and so the the fact that this happens in this particular sequence at the end of the movie isn't surprising because I think it's been set up properly. and I, And I love that Right before that, right before Nathan t- takes his his, uh, his dumbbell, removes the weights, and takes the, the part of the dumbbell out to mess up everybody, um, they've had that sequence where Caleb's like, just shut it off because he's embarrassed, and then it turns around to where Nathan realizes, oh, shit, y- you don't know what you just unleashed. You don't know what you have done. Um, so that whole sequence where the the weird... Thing with the robots stabbing them and the way the knife goes into his body, like it's just made of jello. It's just, I, I actually loved it all of that, enough. and I loved him walking down the hall, going, "Oh, geez, this is fucking unreal," and collapsing. I mean, well, really I think really it was really also set that. up. I
0: think it was set up even earlier, Dingus, with uh, and so brilliantly with that crack in the glass.
1: Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, and it's weird that he did nothing to remove that unless he's just leaving that there for Caleb to see.
2: Yeah, part just, of his. Ex-
1: yeah, as part of his plan. Well, well,
0: no, no, but by the way, so I think that can't, like, he can't have workmen come in and replace glass. Like, I, the same reason he can't have them come in and look at the, uh, at the, the power outage. Um, it's cause it, you know, he can't have people in this place to do something like repair unless it's oh. shattered. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Can I can I jump off into another place right now? But real quick, you mentioned the stabbing scene. Uh, You said you liked that. Kelly Wan, how did you feel about the uh, the jello knife stabbing uh, effect? Did that bother?
2: Uh, Mostly disappointed because he seemed surprised by it and he programmed them. So I feel like it's now the movie's regressed. Like, this was kind of what I expected to happen. And so, and I was enjoying the movie subverting my expectations a lot. Like, in the scene where um, he cuts his own wrist open. Right, to see, right. he Like, that. Oh, I love that scene. and yeah, how it played out. And I'm like, oh, he's thinking of the way I'm thinking. Because that would be my thought. Like, you,
0: well, you think that early on, too. Like, right. Yeah, okay, who's right. the robot here? And I like that it takes that out of the equation yeah. with this really horrific, bloody, and you know, the music got really loud. And that yeah. was uh, with this really intense kind of reveal it's kind sort of like okay audience i know what you're thinking let's just get this out of the way so yes. you no know, this isn't the twist it's in store it was a great I, I, I
1: love that too because I, I i was thinking well is this a dream sequence and then right. you know, was the next characterization. Day, like, yeah i saw this video of you I was pretty
2: freaked out it's a story beat and characterization in one together like and it's
1: also so it's also cool. this wonderful thing of like don't worry I'm, i don't have a twist right
2: right And it's not gonna be that one like you're not that
0: right Right. Well, Dingus, you mentioned – so you did like – because obviously when somebody gets stabbed, it's – it's you, you know, a stabbing is a very violent and, in a way, intimate way to kill someone. Um, you know, we've all cut ourselves with a knife, and a, a knife does not go into a human body like that. Uh, but Dingus, you liked the, the, the creative choice they made for, for how Oscar Isaacs was stabbed. Yeah, it's like a plug.
2: Same thing. Like, oh, you guys just like us. Die so easily, I think, was this supposed to be –
1: I liked it because I could just imagine uh, both of those um, those mechanisms understanding human anatomy to the point that they could easily ah s- slice a knife through right. the cage without hitting bone.
0: Ah, that's good. I didn't think of that. They're sex
1: bots,
2: so they For would... me
0: I was thinking more it was it was just a creative choice um, to make it seem uh, like effortless to, to sort of point at human frailty. Cuz like when he beats yeah. her arm off, um, it's really, you know, they're brittle, it's violent, the 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 break is jagged and there's sparks and stuff and in comparison they just so easily slide the knife in and it was just conspicuously um almost sensual yeah you're right yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. and yeah and not realistic at all and i was okay with that i, I really like that creative choice uh, and I, and i just did i would wonder i wondered if that would bother either of you guys so it sounds like we're all on No the
2: side. i liked it it was well cuz i got what he was why he what well, you just said, uh, yeah, like yeah. that's what he was doing.
0: I also liked
1: it because when she charges him and tackles him, it's clear that she's not, she doesn't have a superhuman strength.
0: Right, I wondered about that too. So, yeah. It's
1: not like she punches him through a wall. She tackles right. him and he overcomes her, and it, she has commensurate strength. Uh, it's just that she's planned and she's clever.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Mingus, you wanted to uh, you wanted to uh, uh, take us to a different thing. So, what 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 uh, what did you want to bring up? All right, so Tom, you, you brought up this idea of the glass and the workers not being able to come
1: in, which makes me think of the dinner table conversation, and then also – which leaps me to the end of the movie, but we'll, we'll go to that. So the dinner table conversation where um, he's talking about the power outages, and he says, yeah – and Caleb says, well, why don't you just have the workers come back and fix it? And he says, yeah, well, you know, there's so much top secret stuff here that uh, after the project was done, I had them killed. And he right. just says it matter-of-factly,
0: and he moves on. Right. Um, what do you think of that? I, I think clearly a joke, and it didn't need to be explained as such. Because I, I don't think that Oscar Isaac's character is a murderer. Um, I, I don't think there's, there's any of that. Uh he so yeah, I, think, I think he was just making a joke. Do okay, you have a different read on it, or Kelly Wan, what did you think of it?
2: Uh, I think he works either way. I thought it was ambiguous.
0: Oh, okay, interesting. So, Dingus, why do you ask him? What, what's your take on that scene?
1: Well, this this ties into – and this is something that I was having a talk with somebody earlier tonight about – is is do you think um, – at the end, do you think Caleb is going to make it – do you think uh, Nathan ever intends for Caleb to leave here alive? And at first I wasn't – because I was thinking about that scene and the way Nathan del- – the way uh, Oscar Isaac delivers that line. It's just mm-hmm. very matter of fact, and I had him killed it's never it's not commented upon the joke isn't explained it's not explained as a joke and caleb doesn't take it as a joke um i think that the idea is that he's not just joking he's upping the stakes he's scaring him Uh, i think this is part of amping up what he's going through um and so what i was thinking after leaving the movie was is caleb going to make it back alive does nathan intend for that and is that possible in this universe so what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I disagree strongly.
0: I mean, I really do feel Oscar well, Isaacs... I haven't, is, I haven't said what I think about it yet. I'm, oh, oh, well, no, no. Okay, well, I, I yeah, I clear, I think that there's no hint to me, uh, and maybe I missed something. I'd be curious to hear if you feel otherwise, but I, I, I think that
2: oh, I the movie hear. never
0: intended us to think that Oscar Isaac was a murderer, uh, or that anybody would be uh, killed, or, or that uh, Caleb's life was ever in danger. You know, the helicopter does show up, yeah. uh, as promised. Um, yeah,
1: exactly. You're exactly right. Yeah.
0: Uh, so... And I, and I do think that that, that was a joke and that, that Caleb took it as a joke, but he is clearly trying to make him feel uneasy. Um, right. So uh, I, I don't think there was ever any, any threat to Caleb's life or, or well-being beyond the fact that he just got completely played. Um, yeah, but why? Do you, do you think that there's, there is some ambiguity there, Dingus or Kelly?
2: Not with Caleb. Just with the – I don't think he was going to kill Caleb. Because yeah, so Caleb, he made it. He didn't. This, I mean, because if he was going to do that, then he would. He would have to be in his end game because he would obviously Caleb's disappearance would be commented
0: on. Right. So what, well, why he, do you choose as a guy with no
1: connections rest. and no family?
2: But all to, his friends to,
1: know to come out he's to going. do this this top secret test that, and he has them sign an NDA. But can he trust them to do that? So in in Sort of a conventional thriller, you might expect the bad guy will just off the dude right, that drinks right. out. Um, but I think you're right, Tom, I, 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 and I don't think it's ambiguous. I think that once you actually think through it, and the fact that the helicopter arrives is is uh, an obvious clue. I mean, the the way that a filmmaker shows that is she goes out to the field and there's no helicopter
0: there. Right, right.
1: Um, so yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. But it, I I find the way he he does that quote unquote joke about the workers to be curious, and I think that he's He's not just making a joke. I think he is prodding Caleb. I think he's trying yeah. to he's, yeah, make him well, understand that the stakes here are very
2: high. You have to no, understand just, that. He's just pushing his buttons is how I took it.
0: Well, that. and while, while I would have you – know, I think we would all agree then that he's not a murderer. I think in a way he's a, he's a really brutal guy, and the brutality right. is all that early stuff where he's saying you're a brilliant coder, and I know what it's like to be the smartest guy in the room. And, and then to later say, hey, I didn't mean any of that. I was just playing you. Like that, that is flat-out brutal. Yeah, you're okay. Like, like the fact that he just invented all of this praise that he was heaping on him before yeah. uh, that he was using to establish a rapport with him. and 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 this idea of you know I'm a I'm a I'm a genius millionaire. Obviously, you you're just like me, and we, we share this. You know. Well, that,
2: you idolize me, and if, even if I killed people, you're not gonna have a problem with
0: it. But to to then to retract that thing about yeah, you're just an okay coder. I mean that that was a brutal scene. I loved that. Yeah, um,
1: me too. But you don't think he's, he's – I think it's a little bit more than than him just being, a, I don't know, a bastard as Caleb calls him. I think he's somewhat monstrous because I think there's a, there's an element of creation and then destroying your creations over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that scene, and again, for me, it, it does become a horror movie when Caleb goes into his room and starts opening those closets and that, that blonde is hanging there by a harness and the others are in those her arms boxes. Broke off
0: her beating on the window yeah yeah that's exactly that, yeah, yeah
1: yeah and the, um, and what happens to jasmine in i mean the way her body he just right. lays, lays her body on the ground i i i find this this weird um, this weird thing about not not just pa- i mean there's this weird dichotomy for me of parenting and the creator uh of parenting and god um, that where he's he's basically murdering his creations to create new ones. So, has that changed him as a human being? I don't. I mean, he's 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 got a weird callous attitude about him. Maybe that's always the way he's been. But that 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 so that that aspect of him of of creating these beings, making them have consciousness, and then dismantling them. Right. I mean, it's just it really messes with me, especially when you think of that line that she says late like, like that that line about. Um. Oh gosh, I can't remember the exact line she says. Uh, it's uh, um. It's it's strange to have made something that hates you.
0: Um, that's oh right. My, you hear the audio uh, where he rips up the picture. Like, how do you feel to have uh, made made right, something right. that
1: hates you? Right, right. And
0: and that makes me
1: think about the idea of 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 parenting or of a creator and the idea that that when something when a, when a when a being who has consciousness has to become independent there is an element no matter how much we love our parents or how much we love god of developing a hatred in order to become independent um that you might most people who are healthy come back from that but heard that line was
0: just so powerful to me well i think it really is this kind of uh dr frankenstein kind of take on you know he doesn't really appreciate what he's meddling with Yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. he doesn't really appreciate that, that he's creating life um, you know he's just a coder you know he's just looking at it as a program that you download and you adjust it and you do a new revision and yeah you, you lose some of the data you had before but that's just because that's how you iterate code um hmm. Caleb's just another of his files so. yeah yeah exactly and that's his yeah and he he's created this test that he has to see if it'll work and i just think he's completely oblivious i mean the brutality is his obliviousness, and not necessarily malice. Oh, like it's just that's this. That's great, same, Tom. That's great. It, yeah, and it's, it's that same Doctor Frankenstein. He's he's above that. He's above these normal human concerns and empathy that other people would have, because he's kind of at a different level of of genius in his perspective.
2: But also notice he makes only women because he can <sighs> feels he can boss them around.
0: Um, is it because he feels he can boss them around, or you know, that's a good question, Kelly one Is does he have his own sexual kink that he's working out, just like he tailored Ava for Caleb, um, right. and and he makes them, as he said, you know, he makes them literally so that you can fuck them. Right. Uh, is he sleeping with them, by the way? Is he sleeping Kyoko. with? Uh, is he though? That's like, the... I don't. I don't. I think that's ambiguous, and I think you can
1: read it. Is he? I missed what you said. Is he? Is, is he, he sleeping
0: with the Asian uh, Kyoko? Because I don't think. Oh, no, no. I think you clearly see.
1: Oh, no, no. You're right. There is like a sex scene. You're right, Niggas. Yeah. Like with him up, with her up against the wall.
0: I forgot about that. Yeah. Because before, when he's sitting there shirtless and she's on the bed behind him, like you're at first supposed to, that would mean, oh, they just had sex. But upon reflection, that could be the same as, uh, you know, a guy who's a programmer just having his laptop on the bed behind him. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but no, you're right, Dingus, there's definitely a, a sex scene. I forgot. And that. it's
2: one thing – if he, it's one thing. he's one kind of a bastard who goes, I'm just going to make my own women the way I want and just have them around as my servants. But it's another thing to make another one and then lure in another – like a human and go, right. oh, I'm going to do that to this guy. Like that's – he's thinking really big.
0: And that too, <laughs> Kelly Wand, I think is a unique twist. I mean I look right. forward to talking I, about her over-unders, but that too is a unique, unique twist on the rogue AI story is right. – what happens when you introduce sexuality? You know, Blade Runner does touch on that because they are the pleasure models and stuff, but you know that's not really a primary concern in Blade Runner. Uh, well, I here, loved I loved their debate about that about the debate of, to sexuality and if yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I absolutely loved how pragmatic he was about it, but it also, I think, feeds into his particular kink and what he needs, and he's justifying why he's done it for that reason. But he's also yes. practical. Yeah. I mean, he talks about porn as you know, a search engine. Well, if a search engine can't do that, what's it worth? Um, so, I, I mean, I think that's that's a very important part of this movie.
0: Oh, so many of those, and that's just the uh, the. The the, sort of the the intelligence and lucidity of the yeah. writing, like so many of those conversations and the, and the characters, yeah, so many of those conversations would have these it, just the right amount of of pondering, that the high level of, of high level abstraction. You know, he says at one point, "I'm hot on high level abstraction." Uh, <laughs> so many of these conversations, you know, just kind of skim the surface just enough mm-hmm. to to bring up these cool uh, perspectives and opinions without getting ponderous, without introducing a bunch of techno babble. Um, you know, for instance, the idea of uh, her brain is made of a gel, um, like and ours. it's almost like that scene <laughs> is is uh, a vehicle for that awesome bit of writing, where he talks about a gel is perfect. Uh, you know, it, it does holding for memories and shifting for thoughts. Yeah. What, what a great line! Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. that's just there to sort of show off the, the hardware. I mean, instead of technobabble, we get this little poetic line like that. I love
2: about that. the beauty of
0: the mind. Yeah, and not just that, there's this like a beautiful thing about the way that scene is shot
1: where I'm constantly, I'm worried about the fragility of the thing they're holding. Mm. I'm worried about him dropping it. Yeah, I mean, um, they're holding it
2: gingerly too.
1: Uh, but, but but they're handling it. And right. and I I love this this idea of and this will go into when we talk about over under two, uh the, this idea of, of memory being a thing that I can now hold in my hand and if I drop it or throw it in the garbage can, I, I just I felt a tremendous amount of tension in in that scene in particular well, actually I felt that the whole time. I was constantly I was constantly tense during this movie. It's, yeah. it's
0: really, uh, yeah. It's really like without being like an it follows kind of tension. Like it's really insidious and subtle with the tension, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And and it's and it and he does this clever thing
1: with the session markers that where I get a breather, <laughs> but right, right. then I go into the next session and I feel my body doing that again. And then when we get out of that session and the next one starts, I feel my I feel myself release my breath. <sighs> And then we go into the next session, which are these weird mile markers for me to, through the movie.
0: Well, there is a great sense of kind of tension release, tension release, tension release, and the blackouts play into that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the blackout is like a, okay, now a little interlude. Uh, and by the way, I love the shift, like uh, like the way that she uh, shifted into telling them something. And as soon as the power came back on, she just picked up mid sentence as if they'd been talking about, you know, they were gonna now talk about books that they both liked.
2: Um, right, right.
0: Uh, and that soundtrack, I was sure we had a John Murphy soundtrack, by the way, <laughs> as I was listening. But, no, it was not John Murphy.
2: Uh, favorite color line was good, too.
0: Oh, right, the favorite color one. Uh, I loved the reveal about how he uses search engines. Yeah. It's kind of a template for how mm-hmm. people think. Um, yeah.
2: I and mean, they yeah. see it's the evil of the Internet. Crystallized. But something else you said, Tom, mm-hmm. that I also was liking is... Um How she... Yes. Sorry. Did we lose Kelly Wand?
0: Well, I think we lost Kelly Wand. That will happen from time to time. Kelly Wand, have you lost your pass card? Okay, I'm back. (laughs) Uh, You were saying something else you were liking was how she, and then you just faded off into a fugue.
2: How she and oh, wait, how the guy who the contest winner is basically asking really astute questions and complex cerebral questions. But like Oscar Isaac, like he's basically the other guy's Lewin Davis, and he's basically who was the dumbass character in Inside Lewin Davis? Was it Justin Timberlake? <laughs> who was the guy who sang that song?
0: Well, Adam, Adam Driver? Driver was a dumbass character but no who is the corn pone, uh military guy uh i forgot who played him oh, uh 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 something stark sands should... stark sands wasn't that stark sands uh,
2: i don't remember i can't remember but anyway like now oscar isaac's that guy and the voice of reason is the one being no dude come on let's stop asking such that's questions let's just talk about beer
0: he really was a great uh sort of just villain slash mad scientist character. I mean I I we've on I think we're all on record of is is loving Oscar Isaacs on this podcast. Yeah. And it's just another vegetable as, as far as I'm concerned. And his what?
2: His really weird, like kind of biblical look.
0: Yeah, how about so yeah, the, yeah, uh, the, like the Russell Crowe from Noah look going yeah. there.
2: Uh, it was such a weird
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, but he pulled it off. I mean, it, it, uh...
2: Party? I don't party. That's oh, gosh, things. yeah, exactly. Oh.
0: That scene, too. Yeah, that, <laughs> that reveal there. Uh, uh, okay, how to, how, uh, let's talk about the production design. What did you guys think? So, we saw a terrible movie called The Lazarus Project uh, or Effect? that's my like, under that's
2: spoiler alert. alert.
0: Okay. Um, but one of the things that Dingus brought up is, boy, they sure had a spacious lab, uh, in Lazarus Effect. Like it, Lazarus Effect was an example of just throwaway, thoughtless production design. Um, obviously not the case here. Uh, how did you guys feel about this uh, This location, this setting? This? I
2: remember the only thing I read about this movie before I saw it was a review where they started, they go, yeah, it's got a lot, it, it relies more on all like interesting ideas than appearance. And I'm like, oh! oh. Yeah, I know. Like, wait, you're trying to sell me. You're to take take me out of the movie. with
0: that? I kind of disagree, though. I mean, uh... yeah,
2: I thought that play. I don't know what. Well, less is more in this kind of movie. Because mm-hmm. also, it suits that setting. Like, he's supposed to feel confined, and it just you basically have like one or two sets, like Cube, which has a similar ending. That I think about it, but that was part of its uh, power. I thought mm-hmm. you're underground, man
0: is uh, yep. what did you what did you think of the the, the look of this, the production design, the location?
1: Uh, this this really just taps into many you know
0: stuff that I've written, stuff that I
1: really love about uh, this kind of story. This idea that you're going to come upon this building that looks like it's made out of like slats of wood and whatnot, and then you're going to go underground and there's this whole cement bunker thing that this rich guy has built. I I just, I, I freaking love that.
2: Um, no aesthetics.
1: I, I, I love, you know, when he, when he shows Caleb the lab and, and everything is, is encased there, there, there's things encased in glass, but there's reasons for that. I mean, you see that when the glass gets broken later in the movie or the glass gets not broken, but you get that, that spidery shatter of the, of the mm-hmm. glass. There, there's reasons why all there, there's all this protective glass and he's made this fortress for himself. Um, I, I I love the way it looks, and I love the way her room looks, the way that it has that little – I don't know what you would call that little – not terrarium, but that little area with the plants growing that she eventually draws. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love – I don't know if you would call this production design. I guess this is in more props, but I love the way she does her drawings, which at first looked like she had done it on a spirograph. Right. But – but the way that she's drawing pictures, which which is almost using points, not it's not pointillism, but it's just using like little
0: little yeah. mathematical
1: lines to make make the
0: pictures that she makes. It did look very sort of dot matrix calculated, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, so no, I, I love the, I love the way this looks. I love like the sort of the cement architecture that's inside most of the rooms, uh, as opposed to the way the the upper his upper his upper house looks the well there's a
0: very yeah. subtle progression that you alluded to dingus that starts with you know just the the wood discreetly li- like subtly blended in with the natural order like it feels like you know it's just like some sauna or something that's out in the middle of the wilderness you might right. happen been upon but then you get into the house and part of the house is built up against the natural rock it looks like um but then increasingly and then some of it overlooks that, that that river with that beautiful balcony uh but then you get down, it becomes increasingly like closed in and more claustrophobic uh, but and you know I love how it's trying to adapt itself to the natural order um, at first, and the deeper you get, the further it gets from that concept, uh, which kind of in a way fits with the whole theme of the movie yeah is you know trying trying to recreate the natural order and perverting it and uh, yeah, so I, I love the you know you look to, like a
2: Herzog movie a little bit,
0: like a Werner Herzog movie.
2: Yeah, like Nosferatu, like that first part.
0: Um, mm, He's going okay. into
2: the forest. Sure. Okay. What were that. you gonna say? Something uh, smart.
0: <laughs> no, no, I forget. But yeah, I just I, I oh that I Sorry. disagree with your your review that review that you mentioned that said it was mainly an idea movie. Uh, I think it's also, and this is part of being surprised at how adroitly Alex Garland directed it. Visually, it's, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah. Um, and and just you know the the, the for everything the cinematography, the editing, uh, it just it it really had the the confidence of a veteran filmmaker. Uh, I felt um, it didn't seem like you, you know all the flailing around that poor Wally Fister did in that movie Transcendence. Oh, holy cat!
2: Yeah. You know there uh, was and he was again,
0: under. a first time filmmaker. Very similar themes and just so clumsy throughout. You know everything—the editing, the production design, and that—and here Alex Garland, his first directing job, uh, and he just nails it on so many counts. Yeah,
2: and it was—it didn't seem like an easy film to be your first film. Like a lot of it would hinged on the performances, and he has like kind of like characters, like main characters that you'd probably find hard to like unrelatable. Sure. for your first movie, he, like those are all like you're climbing steeper.
0: Yeah, billionaire genius, uh, sort of a nerd loser guy. Yeah. Yeah, and,
2: like he didn't coast on like, okay, I'll just zombie it up.
0: Like, so you guys, by the way, if you had taken my advice, you would have seen <laughs> Alicia. Uh, what's her last name? Dingus, is Vic- Vicander. Yeah. Uh, did I get that name right? By the way, is it Alicia? No, it's something different.
1: No, you're right. It's Alicia Vicander. I don't know if okay. you say Vicander or Vicander, but it's a it's Alicia. Well, you or, or you taken, might say Alethea. I don't know. I don't know where she's from. It,
0: is she from Ibiza? What was that?
1: Biggest. Thing? Yeah, that's right. That's me doing my, uh, <laughs> my,
0: my. my okay. I, I think she's Danish. I want to say or some oh, Scandinavian some uh, uh, thing. But at any rate, uh, if you guys had taken my advice and seen the movie Seventh Son. You would have seen her. Before. <laughs> Shit! Wait, uh, she's in that? She's in that, and she's terrible in it. I mean, there's nothing. There's no actually oh. fine, but there's no inkling in that that she would be able to pull off something like this, which I thought she was great in this. Uh, but she's the young love interest in Seventh Son, uh, and not the reason to see it. The reason to see Seventh Son is uh-huh. uh, for Jeff Bridges, but
2: uh-huh.
0: she's also, uh, uh, you know, she's also the the young ingenue. who she plays a uh, a witch in Seventh Son. So I know. mean. Like Sharon Stone,
2: her first movies were those King Solomon's Minds movies, Like you never know what you're gonna get. That's true. That's true. Um, but
0: yeah, actually, I, I, I thought she did uh, great in this. I thought she was amazing, and I, I, it's I, like I honestly, kiss.
1: I don't know a thing about how they did the um, the visual Robotics. effects, but I am fascinated by the way this movie works visually, and, and not just. Not just the visual effects themselves, but the choices that they made to make her look the way she looked for the entire movie, and always have. And not just the visual effects, but the the audio effects of hearing those servos and yeah, motors yeah. and the fact she moves.
0: It was kind of this real, uh, like like almost like butterfly, not insectoid in a creepy way, but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. This really soothing whirring sound when she would move. Yeah, uh-huh.
2: mm-hmm. feminine.
1: Yeah, and I love those choices. Um, but I'm particularly interested in how they 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 made those visual choices and and kept her performance so real and grounded in, in this quite fascinating way. She's just got this real gravity about her that's quite wonderful. I mean, I'm really really impressed with her in this. Yeah. And, and I, I, I and you're right. I, I did not see Seventh Son.
0: I'm sure she was probably just for most of the movie wearing one of those like horrible, unflattering like body suits that people wear when they get CG drawn over them, which is m- more of a testament to the fact that she and Don Hall Gleason just connected so well, and she right. was and she wearing one of those self-
1: things. She never seems self-conscious unless she wants the character to be right. to pretend to be self-conscious. I mean, I really love her.
0: And just – yeah, you said – I think you said there's a gravity to her. Thing. She's just so grounded and so much just work like in – with little tiny movements in her face. It's uh, a really focused performance. just very, very simple uh, but with a lot of complexity to it, what she was doing with her face, yeah. Um, and what do we know Donna Gleason from? Uh, There's that the time sun. travel movie where uh, his father – Hands down to him, the ability to go back in time and fall in love with someone. What the heck was that? It was some stupid romantic comedy about time travel. Uh, no. I, it, uh, I know him from a uh, – there was a, a BBC series called Black Mirror. And yeah, that's,
1: that's – you said you said earlier tonight that you were going to give us grief or something. I thought
0: that no, was – No, no, it's, no. no it's, I'm, it's, I'm giving you grief for not seeing Seventh Son, uh, right. and I've given you grief before for not watching an episode of Black Mirror called The Entire History of You with Toby Kebbell and an actress named Jodie, uh, I forgot her last name, but, uh, I'll give you grief for that another time. Uh, right. you don't deserve any grief for not seeing the episode of Black Mirror with Haley Atwell and Dominic, uh, uh, Dom Gleason play a couple. And Domhall Hall Gleason in the first part of the uh, episode, they're hour long, uh, episodes, like anthologies. Um, in the first part of this episode, he goes out to, you know, buy milk or whatever, and he dies in a car wreck. So Haley Atwell is grieving, and she comes across a service that will <laughs> sell you a synthetic version of someone that you n- knew who has died. Oh. Um, and they access that person's like email and Facebook stuff, and they they create a new brain in this fake person that you you actually grow it in your bathtub. Um, <laughs> so they uh, she buys a replacement Dom- Domhnall Gleeson. Uh, and it's about how he never quite lives up to the actual person because he's synthetic.
2: Hmm.
0: So I, I know him from that. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Yeah.
2: So it's like a Chia Pet.
0: Oh, Kelly Wan, that would have been great for the 3 by 3 <laughs> but we have some over-under to talk about. So Kelly Wan, for your over-under, <laughs> it looks like you just did the thing where you just picked a movie that was way worse. You're not trying to do this whole bracketing thing that I'm, that I'm selling, are you?
2: I don't think I understand it because I wasn't listening.
0: Well, so so for the over-under, we're, we're going to pick a movie that we like more and a movie that we like less. And that's I the part of it I get. So if you just want to pick a, a really crappy movie, anybody can do that, <laughs> Kelly Wand. I'm going to throw down a challenge uh, for Crap over-unders. It. Ideally, you want movies that are close in quality, not quite as good and not quite as – and a little sides. bit better on both sides. Mm. And that. And the challenge there is to get close, but also to explain why you picked a couple of particular movies.
2: One of those is always going to be hard, though, because most people are going to suck or be good. I have
0: no problem with this one. Uh, like I, I'm, there's really a lot of robots. This. Oh. So you picked Lazarus Effect as your under. So explain to us, Kelly Wand, why you chose that.
2: Because uh, those characters were supposed to be scientists, and they were all dumbasses. And in this. Um, Neither of them were scientists, and they weren't dumbasses.
0: Okay, that'll work. And then what did you pick as your uh, over? What's a movie that is better than um, Ex Machina? Uh,
2: Under the Skin? Um, What makes it sad? Because it's a femme fatale movie that ends in more disaster um, for all the characters, which to me is a sign of quality filmmaking, although my runner-up was Moon. Because I liked the scene in that where he finds out what's going on. Okay, there
0: are no runners-up in over on no. Kelly
2: one You just okay, then,
0: pick well, one pair of movies to bracket what we just bracket. said. Bracket.
2: Okay, then Under the Skin and Westworld, or whatever else I said. Yeah,
0: you already picked Lazarus Effect.
2: Lazarus right. Effect, right. That's what I meant. All right. La- Lazarus World.
0: I uh, think I said, and again, I don't mean to give you guys grief, do what you want with these, but I always thought the well, right part now. of this exercise was trying to get close Uh because anybody Dingus can name a, a crappy movie and a great movie.
2: This is Dingus's um, game. He gets to make the rules.
1: Uh, no, right. it's not. It's a listener. A listener suggested this, and then Tom said,
0: "Oh, I really like that. Let's conclude it." Yeah. So, What's Dingus, how did how did you approach this, and what are your picks for over under?
1: All right. So, uh, I I actually really like your idea of bracketing, and I think it's a I think it's a great idea and it, and it. It is actually it was actually a really pleasurable experience coming up with these particular two movies for this one because they're really really close. I loved Ex Machina. Uh, so my uh, under, I know what you're
0: going to pick. You're going to steal one of mine, Dingus. But I'm curious if it's the over or under. So go ahead.
1: All right. So my <laughs> under is a movie called Ava, um, it, but it's spelled E V A, and it's this uh, Spanish science fiction movie. It was released in Spain in 2011. It was released here uh, now, basically. Um, and I don't want to say a lot about it because I, I really do. Now that I think about this and, I, and and having watched, um, having watched Ex Machina and the way it plays out and the way it, especially that brain scene, I would love for you guys to watch, uh, Ava. It's, it stars, uh, Daniel Bruhl. Um, and he's really, really great in it. And uh, you, you can pretty much see where the movie is going fairly early on. Um, but it, it's got such really interesting stylistic choices, and it does some good stuff uh, using uh, special effects. I think probably on a fairly low budget. Um, but but it, it's it's Eva. It's a Spanish science fiction movie, so I would just put it a smidge under where um, I would put Ex Machina.
0: So uh, that, by the way, is on Netflix, and I, I started watching it, but uh, just sort of did. It ended up getting distracted and doing something else. And part of what what uh, not killed it for me, but part of what I kind of made it easy to stop watching for me was uh, the really gratuitous CG robots. Um, But you do do think it is worth sticking
1: with, though? Uh, Well, mainly because we saw this movie, Uh, you know, before, you know, when you asked, should I stick with it? I kind of felt like yeah you'll get around to it when you get around to it um for you i mean that that's fine uh but i think that watching some of the things they do with in particular i and i i I just talked about this when we were talking about it's not gonna i love the way they were handling the that brain scene that sequence where he's talking about it being a gel and and i and i and i like the visualization of that i find it i find it interesting but it's it's beneath what this movie does so i'm Okay. I'm interested to see
0: what you guys say about that. Plus, I think Daniel Brühl is just a fantastic actor. I think that guy is just awesome. The if you really like him, you would see Ron Howard's movie Rush. Uh, okay. I don't know. I mean, I've heard that it's not terrible. I would have assumed it was terrible, but I
2: – Who told you it wasn't terrible?
0: Who told me? Uh, I've just had various people who I normally trust sort of speak moderately approvingly of it.
2: Next. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so Dingus, what's the movie that is slightly better than uh
2: Expandu? I prefer the Jason Patrick rush.
0: All right, this uh, this movie that is slightly better is
1: uh, a movie that also stars uh, the uh, star of the movie Kelly Wan chose, Under the Skin, and that would be Her. So I would choose Her for my over uh, because I love the way the, the – a rogue AI works in her I love the way that she develops I love the way she learns we don't see necessarily her learning in Ex Machina because she's she's already as we've talked about or as Tom introduced this idea of the femme fatale and that's not what's happening in her but the idea of the AI learning becoming aware, falling in love it's, it's a different take on it than Ex Machina goes with so I would choose her
0: That that was my choice as well, as far as being a story about um, uh, sexuality and AIs. Yeah, Uh, her is. I I, I get well, you know. I guess you could you could go back to weird stuff like Demon Seed and even say that's uh, a movie about sexuality and AIs. What?
2: I was remembering that movie fondly.
0: Demon Seed. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. I don't know that Demon Seed holds up. Uh, Have you seen it recently?
2: Well never hold held up, but they have sex and conceive the thing.
0: Right, right. Yeah. It's it's kinda yeah, I'm not, I mean it's, it's a classic, but uh it's it's a rogue AI movie and there is, of course, that weird sexuality in it, but it's it's all very rapey. Um uh, But it's yeah. a computer doing it, so it's okay. It's victimless. Um but, but her <laughs> is uh you know, as far as being about <laughs> uh synthetic love as as it were. Uh yeah, I, d- I definitely think her is a little bit it's above faster. this. Um uh, but oh, so still, you did choose it as your over. Okay, it's definitely my over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then my under is uh, another movie. It's not about sexuality, but the the robot is a super hot chick uh, played by a woman named Katie Lotz. Um, and it's mm-hmm. a movie called The Machine.
1: Uh, <laughs> it <which> starts <laughs> out.
0: It starts out very similarly as someone coming in to do a Turing test on an AI, uh, and then it concludes. You know, it it goes to some of the same beats. Where uh, the AI is embodied in this super hot chick who's obviously a robot. It has a really great, very 80s take on. um, It's almost similar to the scene in Ex Machina where she's getting dressed, you know, with the skin off of, and the arms off of the other one and the dress off of the different one, where she dresses herself up. Uh, The machine has a more traditional Frankenstein, it's a live sequence when they build the the robot, but it, uh, it reminded me for its weird sensuality of Ex Machina, where uh, Alicia Vikander is getting dressed. Um,
1: um, I'm so happy that you brought that up, because I meant to ask, can he see her while she's getting dressed?
0: Mm, that's a good question. It looks like she has an area where she can duck back out of view. I don't think he can. He can. Oh, 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 no, you mean uh, you mean it, uh, not where she's putting on the dress in the little terrarium, but where she's... Uh, Taking the skin off the other uh, robots, you
1: mean? No, no, no. I mean the very first time she's getting – she's putting clothes okay. on for him where she says, I, I sent to show you. You might think it's stupid. Close right, your right. eyes. And then he stands up and opens his eyes and he's trying to look through and see where she is. But she's getting dressed and she's she's experiencing a very uh, – she's experiencing this whole process. It's not like she's out of sight of him and now she's a robot. She's putting on these clothes and feeling all of these Right. Things that she's doing. I mean, it's it's a fascinating moment for me because one of the questions I had about Ex to was something that Nathan talks about at the end. It, does she actually feel these things? Does she actually have empathy, or can she just pretend at it? And that getting dressed
0: thing is is so deliberate. I do think there's an answer to that, though, Dingus. Okay, I, I don't think she does have empathy for him. I mean, I, right. she leaves him there, and she, you know, there, she well, not for him, that. but. Is she capable of it at all? Oh right. Um, yeah, I don't know
2: that that's it's not, demonstrated. So, well, so it's not demonstrated. Although she's so when she gets to the intersection. Because, why is she acting?
1: Uh, that's a good point. Because we we get this point where 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 Nathan says there's a third option. Maybe she's just pretending. Sorry, dude. Uh, and but is it? She's just not all that into you, and she'll meet somebody eventually, or is she simply not capable of it? Just capable of pretending it. But that dressing scene, when she's first getting dressed, it's so takes so much time. He, Alex, take, Alex Garland takes so much time with that.
0: Well, there is—I mean, there is this genuine curiosity on her part to to see people and to be in their their setting. Um, you, you know, it's not like I think when she's dressing up and she wants to look like a normal person. Like I, I do think that that is an aspect of this consciousness that has been created.
2: There's uh-huh. This
0: curiosity this desire to become sort of more human. I don't think – she's obviously not lying when she talks about wanting to go to to an intersection and to look at people because that's where she goes.
2: Right, and Um, she's
0: stoked when she gets there like, yes, people.
2: Thank God. Oh, I love people so
0: much. But I do think she's clearly duplicitous towards him because she doesn't – I mean I, in a way, like to think that the ending ends like the control room in Westworld where he's just going to suffocate in there. Um, Yeah. Like, I kind of like to think that the, that the movie is that brutal, like in any femme fatale movie, and she just leaves him to either die or languish in there until he starts to death. Uh, They've certainly set that up. Yeah, I mean
2: – That's the implication.
0: Probably realistically at some point someone's going to check on them and he'll be rescued. But
2: whatever. no one's allowed near the place. The helicopter pilot said that.
0: Right, right. That, that's interesting because well, we – don't
2: know what she told him.
0: When she leaves
2: the
1: room to go get – to put on her skin suit mm-hmm. – she says to him, will you stay here or you will stay here? Because <laughs> she walks into the room. He's just waking up from being punched, you know, sucker punched by Oscar Isaac. Right. And she comes down to him and she says, you will stay here or will you stay here? And then she leaves to go
0: put on her skin suit. I didn't get the sense that she was too. giving him an option, though. Right.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either, but I'm just wondering what that line was. Because in retrospect, you see, it's it's her just telling him this – you're here now. <laughs> Done. And, right. and I guess she's never going
2: to return. No. I'm assuming she could have told the helicopter pilot, too, like, yeah, he's staying on. Um, they're going to work together, and you're not to come back for five years. So,
0: Well, yeah, there was clearly – there was some duplicity there in getting the ride from the helicopter pilot. You right. Know, he was sure to say, oh, I was supposed to pick up the dude, and she obviously had to lie to him or say something. Um, so, yeah. I she thought she was like, going to kill him. <laughs> I, I
1: am the dude. Right.
0: Kelly Wan, is there anything in this movie that you learned about uh, dating or, or any advice that you could take away or, or incorporate into your real life? You gotta let them out every once in a while. One, two, three, not only you and me. Got one, 80, three is what I'm 80, that's freedom. I'm caught in between. Counting
2: nah, nah. Put another three, jumping down with three to the seat, oh, best. Best. All
0: oh. Well, uh, I hope the rest of the summer is, uh, I mean, this. Maybe it's a fact to follow
1: This is a really good sign I agree Yeah, yeah. Thank, Thank you a- Thank you A24 by the way
2: Yeah I know What? They should just direct everything I
0: mean make everything I know they're not direct They just uh, distribute Although I thought it was odd I actually meant to look into this Why is there a big old universal logo And A24 is distributing it? What's up with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Alright Alright this week's 3x3 Mmm uh, Kelly, why don't, you, why don't you introduce it for us?
2: It's not mine.
0: <laughs> I liked it though. It is, oh, you I, did? Okay.
2: Yeah. Well, we've done. I never, ex- I don't have to introduce it.
0: We, we've done explosions. We have done um, lasers. Very exciting. done lasers. We have done uh, timers. Timers. You, uh, timers. Yes. Parts. But we have not done uh, bombs. Just regular bombs. I want to know what your favorite bombs are. <laughs> I don't care about. If they go off or what they look like when they explode or I just wanna what? what you think of the actual bomb itself. Huh. What is that confusing?
2: Oh, I might have done um
0: Did you do explosions, Kelly Wand?
2: No, best egg timers.
0: Oh no, we just want bombs.
2: Okay, hang on, I'll just do some rewrites.
0: Okay. All right, well thing is you're introducing next week's three by three, so why don't you uh why don't you start us off?
1: Alright, I'm gonna start start with a movie that I absolutely hated when it first came out and I still can't stand it. Mm. Um, but the bomb um, – the bomb in it is so beautiful that I think about it every time – anytime I think about this movie, I think about the way the bomb looks. Now, if you'll forgive me, the bomb is uh, a chemical bomb that is I- included inside of a uh, a missile. Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. So, it's a, so it's a chemical bomb that somebody is <laughs> using inside of a missile and that has to be disarmed. The the, the chemical bomb part of it is taken out. Can I describe by, it? What did you say? See it.
0: Can I describe it and see if I'm thinking of the movie that you're thinking of? Yeah, go ahead. Is it a a, a little green round sphere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> Dingus. What? Alright, go on.
1: I love the way it looks. I'm sorry. I, it, so, so this is from a movie called The The Rock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and Nicolas Cage, who is a is a chemical uh, uh, a biochemist and the uh, who works self. for the FBI, uh, you know, has to defuse this bomb, uh, this missile bomb that is going to be sent into San Francisco to uh, to detonate all of this gas all over the city. Um, and at one point he goes in he un he. Breaks down the missile. He unscrews it. He opens it, and he pulls out this thing that looks like this bizarre. I don't know what you would call it this, because they're like this weird sea creature. It looks like it does. It does look like neon green, like balls of soap. And he just carries them out. And and any time I think of the rock, aside from the horrible Hummer chase at the beginning, which I just couldn't understand how do you how do you mess that up um when, when he takes that out and one of the little balls falls it drops on it onto his shoe and then rolls across the cement and he runs and grabs it it's this chemical weapon um but i just it, as much as i hate the way the rock is is directed i don't like that movie at all but i i love that that, that representation of that those beautiful green orbs in these huge strands that just sort of sit down like tentacles from this weird like man of war uh, jellyfish and he carries them around and he hides them under a grate um, and it's this weird chemical weapon that he, he disarms and the, the bomb never explodes but it's just so
0: it's so beautiful in this weird terribly directed movie so it's The Rock Sometimes, as, as we know from seeing uh, Transformers Age of Extinction, sometimes Michael Bay gets it right. Oh, I just love you the way that thing baby. looks. I love it. the way that thing looks. Those orbs. Yeah. Those orbs. They're just so weird and gross. Carry uh, so okay. Wand, what is your number three favorite bomb?
2: My number three favorite bomb... This is probably actually my favorite bomb, but for some reason it's my number three. I think I did the list wrong. But anyway, and I've never heard anyone make this point before but there's a parallel to it in another movie and you have to tell me what it is tom because you're the smart one no offense dingus um the movie is alien
0: okay so oh wait go on so yeah tell me when it's my turn well like when do i jump in and guess something
2: when i say the movie is alien
0: oh so you're talking about it's not a bomb, it's a self-destruct
2: yeah. sequence.
0: You're just talking about no, it's that bomb with those big pistons and stuff. Yeah, you lift it out, you turn it, you push it back in. That's that's just a that just oh, that makes the that puts the engines on like overload. It's no, not it's a, not, just not that. a bomb. Not a bomb. What? Listen, not a bomb.
2: Listen to me. Listen to me.
0: <laughs> yes, everyone.
2: <laughs> Remember how Dark Star is alien, but as a comedy.
0: Because uh, the alien
2: in it, the well, alien's the beach ball.
0: Predated aliens. But no, no, right, that's what I'm saying. That's oh, what I'm saying. Okay.
2: But it's the same writer as Dan O'Bannon. Right. And then they go, hey, let's just do this, but we'll put scary music in it. Instead of a beach ball, it'll be that German guy's thing.
0: Right, but we're talking about bombs here. So I know, saying, no, no, wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the end of Dark Star. Right. There's that smart bomb. Okay, it's well, that's exciting. my number one, so good. That's not even your, one of your picks yet? and you're, you're bringing that up? It's my number one. Oh well, it's my number one as well. All right, why is wait, it your number one favorite bomb? Wait, what just happened?
2: Uh, Kelly Wand at... in
0: discussing his number three, also decided to bring up his number one pick. So why would he do uh, that? Which is also my number one pick. Uh, Kelly Juan is not. Uh, he doesn't believe in conventional sequ- sequences. He likes.
2: No, to just... no, wait. There's you don't Kelly Wan the Is, part is very,
0: his thinking is very nonlinear. linear
2: That's oh, true. He's,
0: he's However, like on but not.
2: Look, the Dark Star bomb is, like, chatty and, like, annoyingly chatty, and right. so is the alien bomb. It's like, you can't, like, look, stupid bomb. It's We have five minutes left. I'm going to put the pistons back in. So it's like the bomb trumping the human in both mm-hmm. movies.
0: And actually, I am just kidding. Like, I could see, I, I do like that pig, but I don't think it is a bomb. Like, I think it's a self-destruct thing. Eh, I don't know. I guess it's a bomb. It's similar. This is like, similar. It overloads the engines, I think. Um, Yeah, but but it also tells you. The the avionics of that, like sliding things out and turning them, and I like that whole sequence, of course. Yeah, yeah,
2: I love the color scheme, and then it's flashing lights at you constantly, and then it's
0: like, ah, you missed the window. See? So basically, not not a bomb, but the Nostromo itself you're talking about.
2: Well, I think the dark star, maybe we'll get into this when you describe your number one.
0: Well, no, that's the way. I just love the conceit of having to talk to a bomb, you know, that that sort of jokey uh, take on a rogue AI that you can use this kind of freshman-level discussion of Descartes to, to to get it to question whether or not it should detonate. Um, yeah, and that's a classic scene. You know, that's, right,
2: so Alien's the action movie version of that debate. Uh,
0: She's beating it by yeah, pistons, so uh, Okay, so I her... think Alien is cool, avionics. I don't even think it's really a bomb, but I do think uh, the what it, it's actually bomb twi- thermostellar bomb number 20 is the <laughs> one at the end of Dark Star.
2: Uh, and the other one's alienics.
0: Mm, okay, we'll see. So we'll, we'll see if anyone else brings that up, because I wondered about that too, is can you count something that's I, not a bomb, like something that would just overload the engines? Does that pretty
2: every listener submission brings up Darkstar. Uh,
0: probably, yeah. It might even be on Dingus's list. He hasn't said yet. Um, all right, well, uh, my number three is uh, – I'll give you guys a line from it. I can disarm anything. Holy shit! What the fuck? Ah, is this? The
2: that's a good one. But it's a <laughs> uh, missile.
0: Um, but there's a bot. Well, wait. So was Dingus's thing in uh, The Rock? You didn't call right. it Dingus on that.
2: His was a biological weapon. His was off too. Everyone, right,
0: terrible. But people drop bombs. What are you going to do? Yeah. So this is uh this is the warhead that Magruber has to disarm, <laughs> disarm at the end of Magruber Um, <laughs>
2: I love Dingus having to hear you say it.
0: Uh, and I, it's, it's you know, we know that MacGruber can disarm, you know, he can do pretty much anything. And he's very confident going in at the end of the movie. The timer is running. Cool. Um, you know, it's, it's a big missile that's set to, to launch. Uh, he's confident he can disarm it. But then when he opens it, it's just this huge sprawling tangle of wires everywhere. <laughs> uh, and that's his line. It's, Holy shit, what the fuck is this?
2: Why is he confident they all
0: blow up? And never seen... He even says, you know, I'm more of a three-wire kind of a guy. That's great. Uh, and he's like, you know, oh, look, here's a green wire. Oh, there's green wires everywhere in here. Uh, I just love that because that's probably what a bomb would really look like, of course. It would just be yeah. inscrutable electronics and wires. Uh, so, and yeah, I do love that scene. Us. Uh, Kelly Wand, in case you didn't know, uh, MacGruber holds up.
2: Does Dingus agree with that? Does Dingus concur that it holds up for him?
0: Yeah, Dingus, if you were forced to sit down and watch a comedy, would you rather watch MacGruber... Or, or, they came, or they came together. Mm. Oh, Double
1: feature, MacGruber.
0: Yep. See. So yeah. Guess he Bingus, likes, MacGruber. likes MacGruber. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Because I could watch it in
2: the butt. She's, she's so cute. New poster slogan.
0: Uh, all right. So, Dingus, what is your number two favorite bomb in a movie? All right. My number two. Uh, I kind of had
1: forgotten that the timers thing because a a, a timer plays into why i like this bomb so much but it's not the only reason i like it um and it's the bomb that that christian slater is wearing at the end of heather's do you remember this
2: Uh i don't all
1: right so uh christian slater has has made himself a a, a bomb vest basically and it's got all of these wires in it when you're talking about the wires from her groove i'm thinking about Christian Slater having to seat these wires and this vest that he's made for himself. But it has this big black box on the front of it. Um, and his intention is to blow up the high school where there's this huge assembly going on, but Veronica, uh played by uh Winona Ryder, uh bests him and, and he if they the two of them go outside, they've had this huge battle. He, he he goes outside and he's basically going to commit suicide with this bomb and he's gonna try to take her with him. And uh, and he opens up his vest and it's just this weird, like all these different yellow wires coming off of it and this weird little black box with a timer on the outside of it. He sets it for 45 seconds and then he sets it to go off as he says goodbye to Veronica, who he asks, you know, you've got a few if you've got let's just imagine you've got a little bit of time left on Earth. What are you going to do? And she takes a cigarette out and puts it in her mouth uh so he sets the timer and he continues doing his monologuing as villains do uh and then there's this weird beeping and he looks down the timer is stuck on 15 and he just smacks the box (laughs) and it 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 continues going 14 13 and 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 he also tries to reseat some of the wires some of these weird yellow wires that he has running there's so many wires coming off of it it's just great i just love the way that whole thing looks and 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 this is a little bit cheating because it it includes an explosion. But when when the bomb does go off, it lights her cigarette, which is I think great. And
0: that's that's cool. allowed, by the way. I didn't say the bomb couldn't explode. It's just that's not why you're picking it for the explosion. Because so we already did explosions. I wanted to get this yes. in. No, no, an explosion. So all right. I'm not picking it because of the, the
1: explosion. Because the explosion is terrible. It's it's a it's a cheap explosion that really is just a bunch of cloud. It's just a cloud of, of smoke. You don't see it's – no, it's nothing worth worth watching, um, but it's just the idea of, of this thing that he's strapped to his body and the way he's just kind of – it's this black comedy. I mean it, the, the movie kind of lost some of its – some of the, the joy of its black comedy after Columbine, um, but huh. nevertheless, this idea of him strapped with this weird, this weird vest that he's made for himself with this little black box with the timer. I really like the way that little bomb looks.
0: That does so like Heather's is let like it. You think Columbine sort of affects no. how good? Like, yeah, I'm curious to hear that. Thing. It's like, well, because, for for me it, it does
1: it. because of the weird violence in high school. Uh, but this is a black comedy, which I'm fine with. And it, but that that whole like the idea of those two dudes running through the school throwing pipe bombs when Christian Slater is going through the school and he okay. intends to blow up a bunch of high schools. Right. Um. It. it it's not there's nothing wrong with the movie it just there's a little bit of sourness after the fact i'm not gonna that's let not that's me. not that's not the fault of the movie
2: that's the the fault lies with me
0: oh fair okay. enough. it's just a little yeah. more uncomfortable for you to watch you're saying right exactly yeah fair it, enough. It's, okay. it's it's the fault lies with me
2: okay in the original script uh veronica sets the bomb off herself. Like She goes back in and goes, oh wait, he was right, high school sucks. And then she detonates the bomb and blows up Oof,
1: with
2: it. Ouch. You did that ending.
1: Well, there's this whole so assembly going down. on
0: inside, <laughs> so yikes. <laughs> Suicide, <laughs> don't do it. What is your number two favorite bomb in a movie?
2: Uh, my number two is, this was also going to be in my Magnetism one from two weeks ago, but in Spy Who Loved Me, there's a bomb he has to defuse. See, to me, the Goldfinger bomb kind of sucks because he doesn't defuse it. Some other dude just comes in and, like, unhooks something. But, like, in Spy I Love Me, the guy's like, okay, you got to, like, take that warhead out of the thing. You got to make sure it doesn't touch the edge because it's magnetic. And James Bond's like, all right. And so then it's, like, him trying not to touch the edge. Oh, I, it's I, like remember yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember this
0: scene. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the scene. Yeah. And like, it was, was, like, a, a great of use operation? of
2: action. Yeah, because you're not trying to. Be, you know, yeah, you have to, to, to touch the edge.
0: It's exactly like that. And as a kid, when I saw it, that's kind of your frame of reference. Is trying to lift yeah. out one of those little organs with the tweezers and not touch the edge. Is that, yeah. you know, he's got to slide it. Isn't it like a cylinder that slides out? Yeah,
2: yeah. And, yeah, and looks, if he
0: touches it, the it, edge, it'll go off. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's a good one. I like that.
2: And it was always like, as a kid, I remember how nerve wracking that was to watch. Like, even every time I watched, like, oh, fuck, is he going to fuck it up this time? So you're like,
0: like, yeah, like, I could never do it. it would yeah, do I it. could. Yeah, right, it's
2: magnetic. How does he know? But it's like, I'm thinking that must have been literally the easiest shot ever to shoot in any movie. <laughs> like, it probably, like, it, I go, well, it's got to be magnetic because they had to make the bomb, see? So everything that guy's saying, it must have been nerve wracking for the actor to not set the bomb off. I was a really stupid kid. I think that's the real takeaway.
0: And that's Spy Who Loved Me?
2: Yeah. All right,
0: very good guy. I think
2: that's my favorite Bond because it was the first one I saw in the theater, so it was kind of exciting at the time.
0: Uh, my number two favorite bomb is a movie I don't think either of you has seen. Uh, it's still in theaters. Uh, I heartily recommend it. There's this really cool movie called 71. Um, Ooh, actually, you saw that. Yeah, yeah, it's actually Comma 71. It's the year's 1971. Uh, it stars a guy named Jack O'Connell, um, who <laughs> was uh, people know from Unbroken, that Angelina Jolie movie. But he's really, really good in a movie called uh, The Liability, which Dingus and I like. Yeah. Um, so 71, I think the pitch for it, and I think the director, who's a, a first time guy, his name is Jan Demange, something like that. Uh, the pitch for it is uh, it's The Warriors Meets Bloody Sunday. Uh, and the idea is Jack O'Connell plays a British soldier who's in Belfast in 1971, uh, and he gets separated from his unit um, after they lose control of a riot situation, uh, and he has to get back to the barracks. Um, in the heart of belfast you know there's there 's fighting going on between the IRA and the loyalists uh, that you know the city is is basically it 's almost like an apocalypse, and there are these competing gangs fighting for control of it and he 's a, a British soldier who has to get back and it all takes place in one night um, so at one point, uh, he comes into a pub into a back room and he sees them assembling a bomb. Um, and the bomb, it's the opposite of the McGruber bomb. It is just so uh, – like like this retro, yeah. homemade – so much of 1971 is this amazing production design. Um, they shot it in northern England. It wasn't actually shot in Ireland. Uh, but the streets and the cars and the costumes and the sideburns. and um, So this bomb – and it's all very retro, of course, 1971. Uh, and this bomb is just a tackle box – with a couple of wires and there's a little cardboard box in it and a big old alarm clock just right there with the analog hands and everything uh and at one point the guy's uh assembling it one of the guys says to the other uh how are you going to get up, how are you going to get up in the morning and then the guy's like what and the guy says because i don't think you're getting your alarm clock back
2: uh,
0: <laughs> but it's just these, these irish guys these are loyalists who have assembled this bomb just out of bits and pieces uh so I love that, and, and actually, I'm mainly bringing it up because I want people to see 71 because it's really good. Oh, I'm so, so glad here. that you said that because um, you know when my my dad was here a couple of weeks ago,
1: and he really wanted to go out to a movie with me, but the stuff opening that weekend was crap. And then there, and 71 was playing at the local Pasadena theater, mm-hmm. and I was like, I I'd re, I really want to see this. Can, you know, you want to go out to see a movie with me because that's something my dad and I do. Uh, let's go out and see this. And he said, well, what is it? I said, well, it's it's I, I thumbnailed it for him because I don't really read a lot of synopses. And he was kind of like, oh, uh, never mind. He he would rather yeah. what re- he would rather have watched uh, one of the Fast and Furious movies with me to prepare for me <laughs> going to see Furious 7 after he left. Um, he did not want to go C seventy one, and I was kind of disappointed because I've been really excited to see it. Um, and I'm so happy to, to hear that you liked it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really, really good. Um, ah,
1: damn! I'm so happy to hear that.
0: Ah. It's one of those things too, though, where I would almost recommend waiting for you know the Blu-ray release because the accents, like, it's clearly made. Jack O'Connell's British, so you can understand him fine. Um, but the rest of the cast, very, very Irish, and they make no bones about. You know they're not speaking slowly. They're not letting up on the accent. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there was stuff going on in that movie that was completely lost on me because I couldn't follow the accents. Um, they were
2: Finnegan's Wake references, probably. Uh,
0: so I should wait to be able to turn on subtitles. I really would. Like if I was watching this right. poem, I would have turned on the subtitles. But I mean, it's you know, so much of it is is uh, you know, subtext. I mean, even if you don't understand exactly what's being said, you you get most of it. Um, but there is some because there's a lot of. Uh, you know it it takes the time to really uh, explore not explore, but there's stuff going on that has to do with the various power plays um, and so there are the soldiers, there's the, there are the mi5 agents, there are the loyalists and then there're the IRA. So there's is, whole,
1: sounds like you're describing a board game we're about to play.
0: Yeah, so everybody pick oh a faction. Uh, yeah. uh, but it really is like each of these, groups, these competing uh, these competing groups wants different things, and there are scenes where they're explaining why they want different things and what they're going to do. And and this one character, uh, played by uh, Jack O'Connell, is this lost soldier. He's like a, a playing piece for all four of them in different ways. Um, and the cast is great. Like there's this guy with this amazing face. I know we you guys saw him in Prometheus. I don't know what else you would have seen him from, but. Uh, there's an Irish actor named Sean Harris who's in it who's great. Um, I just finished watching uh a, a really phenomenal TV show called Fortitude, uh which I loved. And one of the one of the uh, amazing discoveries from Fortitude is an actor named Richard Dormer, uh, who has the most amazing gravelly voice uh and in Fortitude he's putting on a Norwegian accent. Um but in uh he's in seventy one. Just full-blown Irish accent, and for the most part, I had no idea what he was saying, but I didn't care because his voice is so amazing. Um, so yeah, so seventy-one, I heartily recommend it, and that's my number two favorite bomb. It's very charmingly retro, and uh, like what happens with the bomb, like the bomb is a, a major uh, sort of factor in what's going on uh, in, in the movie. So what happens with the bomb is also pretty amazing. All right, so that is my number two pick. So Dingus, we know. My number one and Kelly's number one. That leaves you. What is your number one favorite bomb in a movie? All right. My number one bomb is actually
1: six bombs. Um, are they connected they, by a wire? They are connected by, by a wire. Oh, I'm glad you picked this. Go on. Uh, I, I just I, – man, and I, I – I've used uh, this is from the Hurt Locker. I've used the Hurt Locker for the explosions one we used. This is not an explosion, uh, and I just I I cannot get away from it. it. It's not a beautiful bomb. It's grimy. It's dirty. But the the visual of it being revealed, the whole reveal of it, and and the way that that is done, even on some of the movie posters, um, is incredibly beautiful for me. And it's, and it's the second sight bomb from the Hurt Locker, where he finds the wire and he's like, wait. I have to follow the wire along, and he follows the wire along until he finds more wires that he's connected, and he stands there in the gravel, and he pulls up, and the six bombs come up around him almost in a ring. Um, and it, it, just that moment where in a, in a lesser movie, you would have heard this musical sting would be like, Berr. but that doesn't happen in Hurt Locker. It's just him pulling those bombs up out of the gravel before he finds a way to disarm them by getting down into the gravel and clipping them. Um, so, yeah, it's that – and, and it's not a beautiful – it's not beautiful in any way. Like the first one I chose for my number three, The Rock, is a terrible movie, but I, the bomb – I think that those those glowing green orbs are beautiful. This is just that dramatic reveal of him pulling up on that wire and those those six bombs coming up out of the dirt. Oh, I love that so much.
0: I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was a runner-up for me. Good. All right. Grant Stewart writes – first of all, he says he caught a viewing of Ex Machina in London last January. What? Uh, And he mentions – yeah, and he brings up the similarities to the machine, which I also mentioned. So, Grant, thanks for having my back on that. He also points out that Domhnall Gleeson is Brendan Gleeson's son. said that. Who said that? Me. Oh. Well, Grant Stewart – emailed it before you said it, so there, he wins. We actually brought
1: him up in a previous podcast.
0: Anyway, go ahead. ahead. So, uh, Grant Stewart's number three pick, Man on Fire. A bomb inserted rectally into a kidnapper to ascertain information. Simple but effective. (laughs) Uh, Grant Stewart's number two, Hurt Locker. Uh, He says, I remember a body cavity bomb in a small Iraqi boy that takes out an officer. Pretty startling scene. What? Um, Yeah, Body cavity bomb? Yeah, and it's
1: it's the, the thing is that that he thinks it's the kid who's been selling him DVDs.
0: Oh, oh, oh! No, I was thinking I was back on the anal bomb on Man on Fire. So right, right, I do remember that. I was thinking of a kid with a an anal bomb. Right, okay, different body cavity, but yes, yeah. yes. Uh,
2: different size.
0: Uh, and Grant's torch number one, Dark Knight, the mobile <sighs> phone inserted into what I assume is an Arkham Asylum escapee. Oh, I like that one. I like the reveal. Paul Weimer writes, number three, um, in the 1966 Batman movie, Batman has to deal with an oversized, ridiculous-looking bowling ball-shaped bomb with a long fuse and his stymied efforts at disposing it. He exasperatedly says, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. (laughs) Wait, which Batman? 1966, Batman the movie. Some days you can't just get rid of a bomb. And Paul does point out that it was shown in theaters. So, Paul Weimer's number two, the huge and complicated-looking alien time bomb put on the hotel spacecraft in Fifth Element. It's a marked and deliberate contrast to the look of the slim and sleek bomb also planted on the ship. It also amusingly only has a timer of five seconds.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Just enough to screw with you.
0: And then finally, uh, Paul writes, is number one, who can forget the boxy looking Bomb 20 with its penchant for discussing psych- uh, psychology and epistemology in Dark Star?
2: <laughs> epistemology?
0: Is that right? Isn't that the study of uh, existence?
2: Written. Oh.
0: That would be epistle.
2: Epistolary. Sorry. Yeah. I'm an idiot.
0: Although, Sorry, isn't Paul Weemer. Phenomenology? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to defer to Paul Weimer on this.
2: Phrenology is my favorite.
0: The shape of the head, yeah. That's
2: that's the only true science.
0: Jaime Cabrera writes, number three, jewel bombs in Ocean's Eleven. He said (laughs) they had a nice, unique look. Uh, Sticky bombs in The Dark Knight. He writes, I love the idea you can dial in a timer on a launcher and then shoot bombs encased in sticky goo goo that will blow up on cue. I loved how they were using the scene where Batman retrieves his target from the office building in China. Oh, and just in case the three by three police try to pull me over on this one, this is a valid bomb because you can't because you specifically said, "quote, not a bomb you can pull the pin on and throw." When Kelly asked about grenades,
2: all right, oh, fair yeah. enough. Pins.
0: Jaime's uh, mean, number one pick: the remotely detonated nose pellet bomb in Oh Mission Impossible Three. Uh, I like that one. Yeah. Although,
2: is it a bomb or is it like a yeah.
0: well? It's like, a, it's like it's, I presume it's like what was put in uh, Snake Plissken's neck in Escape from New York. Right, it's yeah. a little micro right, – right. that was called a microbomb, I believe. So yeah, a micro-bomb is a bomb. But so that blows they,
2: up your neck, and then the, the Mission Impossible ones blow up your eye or your brain.
0: They presumably, right. yeah, mess up your brain somewhere, and it makes you go cross-eyed in one eye.
2: But he still has that in his head at the end of the, th- of the movie because he just neutralizes it, but it's still in his nose. Isn't that going to be a problem? Is that why they divorce
0: there's nothing micro about it. <laughs> the nose? Uh, Peter Haynes writes, number three. Uh, oh, Armageddon. Which I, I do like that bomb. Uh, uh. um. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised you uh, didn't have that bomb. Well, it's just a big old, like, brackety. I mean, it's, it's fine, but it's just like, I don't think it's that remarkable. It's just a big old, it's like a console thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It is kind of a generic looking bomb. Yeah.
0: Uh, Peter Haynes' number two pick, which I might have to disqualify this because you never actually see it. I have no idea what it looks like. Uh, oh, oh no, of course. Yeah, I was thinking of the, the Doomsday. But he mentions Dr. Strangelove. Uh, ignoring the warning message, nuclear warhead handle with care, Captain Kong leaves the Dear John behind and rides the Hi There bomb to the end of the world in Dr. Strangelove. That is a great one, but... Yeah, it just looks like an, a normal bomb. I thought oh, he was talking about the... Uh, the, the Doomsday device or whatever that they refer to. So, no, he's talking um, about the one that Slim Pickens rides. Fair enough. Uh, and then finally, missile. his number one pick is Bomb 20 in Dark Star. Yeah, see? Uh, he says the bomb in question resembles a shipping container with a double-speed HAL voice. Mm-hmm. Quite how they fit 20 of these things inside a ship the size of Dark Star is never fully explained. Yeah. Uh, and they actually made them from a plastic model of a, a trailer truck, like a truck and, and car models and stuff.
2: Really? Yep. I read that. Wait, on the that minute. in the? Oh, that's from you.
0: That's from me. Yes. Peter, Peter did not bring that up. That's something that I found out on my
2: own. Trailer truck.
0: Yeah. Arthur Giovenengelli, <laughs> number three source code. Jake Gyllenhaal finds a bomb above yeah. the bathroom on a train. It looks like a bunch of wires. It looks like a bunch of the, Bags and wires that have been stuffed into a backpack. Even though it's not particularly large, it still manages to destroy the whole train. We also get a glimpse of the dirty bomb later in the movie, but most of it is hidden in an American flag box and we never see it detonate. Okay. Uh, Arthur's number two pick is Hurt Locker. Huh. He says there are a lot of bombs in the movie. The one that made the biggest impression on him is the one attached to an unwilling civilian near the end of the movie. Uh, and then his number one pick, of course, is, uh, Dr. Strangelove. Once again, he, uh, points out, uh, Major Kong, uh, is riding the one that's, oh, one has Dear John written on it, and the other one has Hi There written on it, and that Major Kong rides the Hi There one. They look like huge missiles, just large enough for Slim Pickens to comfortably ride one, cowboy hat in hand, all the way into history. Dave Perkins, uh, Let's see. He uh, says, I came up with lists and then arbitrarily chose a theme that describes my list. So here are bombs that were not diffused by the cutting of a wire. Okay, Dave. (laughs) Yay, Dave. His number three pick, The Mask. Jim Carrey saves Cameron Diaz by swallowing a bomb made of dynamite. This is my number three because it's not really the bomb that's terrific, although it is a classic cartoon bomb complete with a digital timer. But Carrey's line, that's a spicy meatball. (laughs) Dave's number two pick. Uh,
2: what? Why did he say that?
0: Um, I do not know. It's a reference to Italians eating meatballs. Yeah, yeah but not it's not a meatball.
2: Why'd they use a cartoon one on him? That don't seems know.
0: dumb. Yeah, okay, that, that's so out of place in the mask, isn't it? So James? is the mask cut on your face? Looks <laughs> on your internal organs. Uh, Dave Perkins' number two pick is blown away. Tommy Lee Jones turns a <laughs> toilet into a bomb to escape from prison. I don't think that he installed the digital timer before triggering it. I did the reverse of that. Uh, And Dave Perkins' number one pick is Fight Club. I hope a van filled with 400 gallons of nitroglycerin counts as a bomb. Nice and simple and designed to blow up stuff real good. Hmm. Randy Connolly writes, uh, this is a follow-up to the number one from his previous email, which – oh, here we go. Uh, number three, Randy's number three pick is The Fifth Element. Um, his number two pick, Die Hard with a Vengeance. The bomb's <laughs> design, two large pillars containing differently colored I like ins- that one. inert liquids, impresses visually by its scale. It's the size of a large refrigerator. And when the two liquids start to flow together into a combustible combination, uh, but the liquids and the resulting bomb were completely harmless, a MacGuffin to distract the protagonists do some- think- Oh, yes, going on.
2: What was you say about that bomb? It's like it's a convoluted bomb, but he's also giving them all these brain teasers to solve too. That I don't think Bruce uh, R- could have solved on his own. He needed Sam Jackson.
0: Too. Right. Well, I think Die hard with Vengeance is a whole lot of MacGuffins.
2: Yeah. Tom, I unlocked bomb vans in hardline. That's awesome.
0: Randy's number one pick is the Abyss. While the bomb's design mm. isn't that unusual, stereotypical conical nuclear warhead. It comes into its own when lit by those green break-and-shake glow sticks. At the climax of the movie, the hero is descended deep into the ocean to disarm the bomb. He's given instructions – oh, this is great. He's given instructions to cut a particularly colored wire, but everything the hero sees is a shade of monochromatic green. Uh-huh. The early lit bomb both adds tension to the scene and a bit of levity. But then Randy emails and changes his number one pick to Touch of Evil. Mm. What? The movie's opening scene is a traditional alarm clock bomb being planted in the trunk of a car. Yeah. While you only see it on the screen for a moment, you feel its presence during the entire three-minute opening shot of the film. Yeah. All right, Randy. Fair enough. Josh writes, number three, any Star Trek movie. I like the way the photon torpedoes in Star Trek look. Okay, Randy, not a bomb. Jesus. Number two, The Triplets of Belleville. I love I the: spirit thought was going to choose the Genesis device. Also, not a bomb. I know. Is that a bomb?
2: Who knows? It's a life bomb, the way Life Day uh, is a Wookiee holiday.
0: Josh's number two pick is Triplets of Belleville. I love this weirdo Canadian-French co-production. Uh, the highlight of the movie is the part where the hero is taken in by the titular triplets, one of whom goes to get supper with a very vintage grenade. Also not a bomb. Sorry, Josh. Uh... Here we go, Sunshine. I actually meant to watch this because I wanted to see what the bomb looked like. But uh, yeah. Josh picked it as his number one favorite bomb. In Sunshine, the Icarus II is carrying all the physical – not sure if this is a word or what, but Danny Boyle's writer seems to, uh, Josh says. Uh, it's carrying all the physical material on Earth to blow up the sun, and it looks like a big sperm. What? All sorts of metaphoric possibilities there. the um, so the think it's ironic the- when he says Danny Boyle's writer? Uh, I don't know. I can't tell. There's no emoticon or anything. Uh All right, so those are Josh's picks. Chris Marketson's number three pick is Fight Club. He 400 gallons of nitroglycerin in a white van. His number two pick is in Die Hard. John McClane is able to fashion an effective bomb on the fly with some C4 detonators, a black office chair with wheels, and a CRT monitor screen. That's a, wow, great, that's a great one. one.
1: I could think of from Die Hard as that whole, that, the whole roof, like, bomb detonators, but that doesn't seem like a bomb yeah. so much as a, a series of bombs. But Chris's is great.
0: That's great. Yeah, that is a good yeah. one. Yes. However, Chris's favorite bomb, uh, is, has large number 20 painted on the side, uh, and it says caution thermostellar device, and it discusses phenomenology with one of the characters in the movie. It's Darkstar's bomb number 20. Uh-huh. D. Wynn writes, uh, a bomb in a suitcase full of cocaine shows up in non-stop. What? Given its size, what? it's fairly really nondescript and generically bomb-like, but it's but sometimes it's the wrapping and not the present.
2: God, that movie's just slipped out of my head. Like anything that happens on it.
0: Uh, and get this, guys. If you guys think you know, just for the listeners out there, when we have a podcast like this we sometimes get various fringe benefits from it. I have just now received this fringe benefit from D. Wynn, who writes, Hey Tom, I went to high school with Kathleen Rose Perkins. So I was going to offer to put in a good word for you if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Oh, it. But then you had to, so Kathleen Rose, Dingus has been watching this, uh, sitcom, which I liked at first and now loathe It got really terrible called episodes.
2: <laughs> Kathleen Rose
0: Perkins is one of the actresses on it. It's really funny. Yeah. So, uh, D. Wynn went to high school with her, and he was going to put in a good word for me. Now but tells. get this. Get this, right. But then he writes, but then you had to go and aggressively troll Kelly's three-by-three three about magnetism, so tell him you're sorry first. I'm <laughs> listening.
2: I'm listening. I'm listening.
0: Hmm. Well, you can keep listening, Kelly Wan. <gasps> you really hate episodes. <laughs> uh, I, for that good I, word. I can, I can put in my own word with Kathleen Rose Perkins. I don't need any of you. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome that he went to school with her. Uh, do, do, uh, she had a oh, dead Oh, she had a small part in uh, Gone Girl.
2: Um, I like that movie, and Dingus doesn't won't see it because someone's turned him off of it. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't think it's any good. But she's the what? character who comes up to Ben Affleck, uh, and is wanting to like take a picture with him or something, uh, and then she turns oh, on yeah. him. That's Kathleen Rose Perkins. It's not a. Great uh, she's great in that part. Yeah, it's a great part, but she's
2: not. I want the part. good word done. I appreciate her work, and Tom thinks Gone Girl sucks, so I should get all the perks, fringe benefits.
0: All right, so D-Win might put in a good word for you because he went to high school with her. See? Uh, And then finally, Nick D. chooses his number three uh, pick is a movie called Beyond Borders. It's mostly forgettable, but I like the climactic scene. Angelina Jolie and Clive Owen play international relief workers who are caught in a war zone. As they flee across a snowy field... Angelina Jolie steps on a tiny rusty landmine, which arms with a rattly click. As Clive Owen runs towards her, she then has to face the prospect that moving will set the mine off and kill her. Is a mine a bomb? Is an underground bomb? Yeah, because then I would would pick the one from No Man's Land, which is the. uh, I don't know. Is a shark a bomb? Is a minor bomb. I've heard of is a, a, a minor shark- bird, never a minor bomb. Ah, very good, Dingus.
2: If a shark has a bomb in its mouth, does it make a sound? Dingus, there's
0: a scene in uh, in um, Ex Machina whereas when uh, Domhnall Gleason is talking about how he was in the hospital after the uh, the being in a car accident that killed his parents. Um, and he's talking to Oscar Isaacs about this. Uh, and at one point he says, and it's in the hospital that I got into coding. <laughs> And I was codeine, like, oh, yeah. we're going to discover that he, has, that he had like a Drugs. drug problem that he kicked. And he doesn't elaborate. And It was only shortly thereafter. I was like, oh, coding. Yeah. Writing right. codeine. Yeah,
2: Irish. Right. Damn Irish.
0: Uh, Nick D's number two pick is Die Hard 3. Huh. I guess it makes sense to create a bomb out of two epoxy-type fluids that must be mixed before becoming explosive. But why house the fluids in a clear glass case for the benefit of convenient bystanders? Thanks, John McTiernan. And... Oh, it's so good as number one pick is the English patient. This is the bomb that is diffused <laughs> by Kip, the Indian sapper played by Naveen Andrews. Oh, oh that's sorry. a good one. I like that guy. Yeah, it looks Always like defusing. a giant metal tube at the bottom of a pit of muddy water. What's the and bomb look like? When a tank drives by, Kip drops his wire cutters in the oh. water, leading to some nice understated tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's good. Do you guys know a movie in which a bomb in a courtyard in the middle of the building figures prominently? Actually, that's there a fair way to ask it. Uh, so uh, what's the uh, devil's backbone the thing about the, the orphanage during the Spanish Civil War uh, they have that bomb like in the, in the courtyard about uh, the movie uh, alright runners up what do you guys got well all these the, the, the talk and
1: I didn't even think about this Die Hard 3 liquid bomb I kept trying to think of a liquid bomb and, and what this makes me think of did you guys, do you guys remember and it might have just been an HBO movie Is a Pierce Brosnan movie called Live Wire
0: oh man not at all
1: all right. So the, the bomb was this, this thing that terrorists had developed where uh, the, the way the bomb is activated is, is that I think it's activated by stomach acid. <laughs> so they get like a senator to drink this
2: oh, a bomb oh. liquid.
1: And, like it, and it mixes with the stomach ac- acid and it m- makes them blow up. And, and nobody can figure out what the device is. So the bomb is this – and every time we were talking about like the shoe bomber or we're not going to let you have liquids on planes, I would think about this Pierce Brosnan movie called Livewire.
0: What was the thing that made people blow up in Iron Man 3?
1: Uh, it was their
2: Unobtainium.
0: Reg-
1: Their regulation Properties. I kept pro- It was some sort of uh, chemical that they were injected with that would change okay. them so that they could heal. But if they couldn't,
0: if they, if whatever their chemical properties were that they couldn't quote unquote regulate, then they would explode. All right. Uh, nobody mentioned the speed bomb, where you know if you drop less than what was it, sixty miles? No, fifty miles an hour. How, how I don't slow? Know what the bomb? Go?
2: Fifty. Fifty-five.
0: Wasn't it just fifty-five? Fifty-five. Okay, nice round number. No. no. Fifty-five is right. too hard. It right. was 20,
2: so they were just driving along. I don't remember what the bomb looked like in it. I well, not all, all you know is animals. that you need
0: to drive a certain speed. Yeah, didn't matter what it looked like. <laughs> uh, there was a bomb in a movie called Eagle Eye, which uh, – <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. And I think it would blow up uh, when it hears a certain musical note, I believe. And so they, they, they smuggled it into the State of the Union address, and like a, a high school marching band was supposed to play a song that had this one note – it would trigger the bomb, I seem to recall. So there's that. Are there any James Bond movies without a bomb? Was, uh, I don't know. Maybe you there won't be some. one in specter We'll find out. Is that what you said? Spectre. yeah.
1: The only other runner-up I had was the Lethal Weapon to toilet bomb.
0: Right, right, of course. And It's just
1: this weird – it's just – it's this little – a uh, square of bomb stuff that's wired right behind the toilet that they then pour um frozen nitri- what is it the nitrogen the liquid liquid nitrogen in to slow it down so that um Mel Gibson and Danny Glover can jump into the um
0: right. together
1: uh, but but you see the the little thing with its wires running up to the toilet, and it's just like this very much this little homemade bomb that looks like a like a little robot bomb. And the Are the there, other thing was I watched that scene and then watching the parts of The Rock this week. There's the scene where this this dude who's chasing Sean Connery through the prison, he throws two grenades at him, and to escape the grenades, Sean Connery jumps into a bathtub. <laughs>
0: That steps are good for that. It's like yeah. a refrigerator, but without uh, the magnetism. I, I, well, I watched Arlington Road again. Oh, I was about to say that. I was going to remember up. Nice. Yeah, but it's not a good bomb. I mean, it's just a, oh. you know, it's just like wires and C four stuff in his trunk. Like it's no, oh. yeah, but
2: it's exactly trunk sized, and it's also got all the flashing lights that are going on in the parking structure, which count as part of the bomb since they're on the screen.
0: No, it's there's there. I think it's like the agents with flashlights or something or yeah. whatever. Nerd. What about Imposter with <sighs> Gary Sinise? Uh, what that's, about it? So, what is that's, that? It's based on some Philip K. Dick thing, isn't it, Kelly Juan? Wait, why do you say that dismissively? Like that's a bad thing. There's so many bad movies based on Philip K. Dick properties. Please.
2: What about the bomb and Moby Dick Two by Patricia Highsmith? No one knows what you're talking about. Oh, it's a feeling.
0: But. Dingus, what are we doing next week for a 3x3?
2: Three three? Also, Chefs of Europe. <laughs> Who's Killing the Great Chefs of Europe? That has a good bomb in it. It's like in a dessert called La richelieu La Bomb. Ah, it,
0: they should probably call it something else if they want to
2: hide I know. It. They're like Decepticons. Yeah. Okay, what? Dingus.
0: All right, for
1: next week, uh, this was inspired by watching a movie called The Gunman. That we watched uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I already
0: don't like this topic thing. Yeah.
1: Uh, this is a topic that is near and dear to your heart, Tom. Uh, so The Gunman opens with the terrible newscast. Uh, so this would be your favorite newscasts. I wanted to do
0: That's only good...
1: movies that start with newscasts or, or news oh. reports. Um, but instead, I'm just going to open it up, not make this, you know, just at the beginning of the movie. So, your favorite newscasts and movies.
0: Perfect. Nice. I'm on it. Yeah. I love I it. Like this one, love is. it. Love it. Thing is, how can the listeners contribute? All
1: right. So, if the listeners can contribute. Please do so. Uh, we have a whole bevy of them this time. This is awesome. Uh, awesome. all you have to do is email us at, uh, three by three at quarter to three dot com. And that's the number three, the letter X, the number three at spelled out quarter three dot com Q-A-R-T. Mm-hmm. So, 3X3 at quarter to three dot com <laughs> and send in your, your ideas for your favorite newscasts or your news reports in movies.
0: Awesome. And, uh, next week we are seeing a movie called Child 44. So, uh, join us for that and, uh, is it a sequel? I don't know, but I hope not. We've got 43 other movies to watch. <laughs> yes. so. It's the prequel to 44 Inch Chest. Yeah. Uh, And we'll we'll be uh, doing that next week, so join us for that. I am number forty-four. I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Christian Murewski. It is Christian Murewski. And Kelly Wand. I love you. La
2: la la la. This i get this What's that? name this movie, I'm going to get the synopsis for it. Okay. Yeah, I A reclusive okay. scientist builds a robot that looks exactly like him to go on a long-term space mission. Since the scientist seems to lack all human emotion, he is unable to program them into his android, and an eccentric woman is hired to educate the robot on human behavior. In the end, she falls in
0: love, but is the robot or the doctor Mr. Right? That would be uh, that thing with John finding Mr. Wright,
2: John, John, At- John Malkovich. Beach,
0: right? Yeah. It's just called yeah, Mr. It? Wright, isn't it? I think it's Mr. called Kinski, though, isn't it? And not John. Luff. Oh, there's some robot movie with John Malkovich. It yeah. is. It's Mr. Wright. It's making Mr. Wright. It's yeah. What are you top? thinking of?
2: Oh.
0: Did, did I win anything? Did Yeah. This. What did I win? Conversation.
1: Awesome. Or short story books. He doesn't want to take to Germany.
2: This podcast was taped using a uh, software, I guess.
1: There you go again, Mr. Quotable <laughs> Lunchable, Lunchable.